Today's episode of the BS Podcast on the Rigger Podcast Network brought to you by DAZONE. They're changing up the way you watch baseball. Introducing Change Up, a brand new live whip around show across the league presented by the MLB and DAZONE. They also have a couple boxing cards this weekend, Friday and Saturday, including the WBO middleweight title on the line. So check that out if you love boxing. If you love baseball, getting it set up is easy. Download the DAZONE app in the Apple or Android app store. Sign up by creating an account. Start watching across any of your devices, DAZN.com to sign up. Meanwhile, have you tried M&M's Caramel yet? Have you? Have you? They're delicious. Caramel has been square for far too long. And M&M's is doing their part by giving you that familiar flavor and a package you love surrounding the smooth caramel and delicious milk chocolate. As always, M&M's knows how to bring spontaneous fun. Just like when you go to the movies and you get a big thing of popcorn. And then you put the M&Ms on it. I thought I invented this, but apparently lots of other people have done this. I still feel like I'm an only child. I feel like I, I'm I'm the center of the universe. I feel like I invented this. Kyle, have you done that? M&Ms on popcorn? Uh, after hanging out with your family. Yes, but yeah. I thought you guys yeah. invented it. It's delicious. You know what's even better? M&M caramel on, uh, on popcorn. Go grab some M&M's caramel today and let your taste buds go for a ride. By the way, they sell these chocolate bars that are M&M chocolate bars right now. And uh, wow. those are really good too. As you as you can tell, I love M&M's. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network and theringer.com where we're counting down the 100 best pop culture moments of the first part of 2019 where we have introduced a celebrity culture podcast called Ringer Dish. My daughter, my favorite Ringer employee, Zoe Simmons, has a podcast that Kyle produced called Four Realsies that went up um, today, actually. And I got to say, I learned more about my daughter from this podcast than I do from hanging out with her on two-hour soccer car rides. A lot of stuff going on, including uh, Why Stranger Things is the most important teen culture show right now, Uh, some of her YouTube trends, all kinds of stuff. So you can subscribe to Ringer Dish, and you can hear somebody who has a better podcast voice and is more polished than me the person you're listening to right now. Coming up, NBA free agency. It's creeping closer. Ryan Rossello is here. We're going to break down all of the narratives on Thursday, heading into the big weekend where the NBA uh, has never been more out of whack and crazy and more things in play. So that is all coming up first, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, Rusillo's here. I'm right now in Boston, Massachusetts. Rusillo is in Los Angeles. This is the uh, one town. only. Yeah, coast to coast. I'm here. You can feel the excitement for Kemba Walker. There's no Kemba Walker Celtics jerseys yet, but if there were, people would be walking around with them. Rusillo, does this happen? We're taping this Thursday, 2 o'clock East Coast time. Do you believe this uh, Woj report, a lot of reports actually, Kemba to the Celtics? Yeah, I really do. And I think the first sign was just this this overwhelming confidence, you know, which can be very misleading. I mean, remember, we got overwhelming confidence, I think, from the Celtic side of their ability to re-sign Kyrie at times. But that this was all about the Baines piece, moving that out, that this was all about lining up to grab another guy and that this wasn't going to be a rebuild and reset. They wanted to add somebody big. And it would it would actually now be really surprising that if Kemba weren't the guy. So that's my answer. 
If you were Kemba, would you rather go to Boston or Dallas? Man. It feels like the two guys for Dallas have bigger star potential right now than, say, what are we talking, Tatum and Brown? Yeah, and and Marcus and whatever that Memphis pick ends up being and whatever else. Yeah, and, but, uh, and a good organization. But don't you also feel like despite this Celtics thing that the piling on has actually led to pay, basically people like completely underrating how good the Celtics could still be? Yeah, I agree. Well, if, you, if they're basically Kyrie is a sunk cost, he's out. You're basically trading Horford for Kemba Walker. And then the question becomes, can you patch together Horford's stats? You're not going to patch together what he brings to the table on defense. You're not going to patch together his leadership, uh, the 120 playoff games he's been in, all that stuff. But could you, could you patch together his numbers with two or three guys and at least have a shadow of a decent five? And I think they could because they would have the 4.8 million exemption um, there's buyout guys, there's all kinds of stuff. So it is conceivable to me that Kevin O'Connor floated out. Um, oh man, see, I, I feel bad because he's probably, he was probably going to use this on a podcast. KOC, shout out to KOC. He, he floated out in our NBA Slack. Would it make sense for them to trade Jalen Brown for Sabonis on the Pacers or whether, whether that was some framework of a deal and could you then what do you have? Is that a better team or a worse team? I'd actually rather keep Jalen Brown, but could they use Jalen Brown as a chess piece to try to get a center from another team? Could that be maybe Portland? I still feel like Portland has a trade in them. Um, could Jalen Brown be the next piece to this? I personally think they would just sign Kemba, patch together the five, and see what they have, and then decide December, January, February, what are they what they're going to do. What do you think they would do? Yeah, I really think they would they would try to find a way to maximize what Jalen Brown and Tatum are going to be because I get the sense that they really want to see what those guys are like now away from Kyrie. Yeah, and me too. Whether it's Kyrie being ball dominant, where at times like this, still this ongoing debate of you know are they better or worse? And I know what the record was without without Kyrie, but even though I don't you know love the Kyrie thing and it was unenjoyable this year, I still think it's a little ridiculous just to go they were they were absolutely a better team without him, but. There's a real, it's it's not the numbers. There, there's a real thing that was lingering all year long where Kyrie thought he was this old soul. And the way he looked at the world and the way that kind of permeated throughout the locker room. And then he started realizing, because the younger guys are like, this guy's just a weirdo. Yeah. And, and we don't like, fuck off, man. And Kyrie sensed that. And then he got mad that the young dudes didn't respect him as much. And, you know, I'm not even talking about efficiency and true shooting percentage or any of that stuff. I, I just think there's going to be this thing where the two wings now are just in a better place, whether it's basketball fit, isolation opportunities, or just actually liking to show up to work every day. I was researching Kemba and Kyrie and, and stumbled across the Kyrie quote after Kemba torched the Celtics in March when he had the 18 points in the last eight minutes. And Kyrie said, we should have probably trapped him a little bit more like every other team yeah. does in the league, but we didn't. He torches us every time we play them. It's no surprise. It got me more excited for Kemba and the Celtics. It also reminded me how miserable the Kyrie season was because he did shit like that. Like if we, if we did this podcast and right afterwards you said, look, I wanted to talk about the Knicks. 
like every other podcast, but Bill didn't want to, but that's his prerogative. I'd be like, what the fuck, dude? Why'd you say that? And we would, we would be angrily texting each other. And Kyrie did that shit all the time. And I, I just think removing that, I'm with you. I, I personally would like to see Brown and Tatum together as kind of the fulcrum of the team, along with Kemba as the closer. And I think, you know, Kemba was one of those guys, I sent you some stats, Dame, Kyrie, and Kemba. And Kemba, you would always have said, was the third best offensive player of those three. But I think what's interesting is he's 85 to 90% where those other guys are statistically not playing on teams that were as good. And I always wonder when I look at stats, so so you look at like uh, like Dame Lillard was 26 and a half, six and five, basically. Kyrie was 24 and a half, six and four. And Kemba was 24, six and four. This is the last three years. And the percentages for Kyrie were better than the percentages for Dame shooting wise. Like he shot basically 48% from the field, 40% from three. Kemba was 44% from the field, 38% from three. But you figure when you're on a bad team, nobody ever seems to mention this you end up taking two bad shots a game because you have to bail out your team in the last five seconds of a shot clock. I think it's so much easier to be Steph Curry. Hey, and you know, I love Steph Curry on a really good team where you're basically taking the best versions of the shots you want to make versus the guy who's just constantly screwed because, you know, Cody Zeller was supposed to post up his guy with eight seconds left and couldn't figure out what to do and threw it back to Kemba. And now Kemba has four seconds left to do something. Isn't there a possibility that with Stevens and with, you know, a, a better offense and, and some more, some more shooters, things like that. Couldn't you see Kemba stats going up or am I too being too optimistic? It may not be the raw numbers that we're used to in points because when you watch them this year, it was ridiculous. Like the fact that they were still competing and fighting the way they were at the end of the season and and Lamb was their second best scorer. And there were other, I mean, Batum was terrible. Bridges really struggled at times. Um, Michael K. Gilchrist is, is not an offensive player. Like they didn't have anybody else really other than Lamb in some moments where you felt you could bail Walker out. So I do think that there's some truth to this. But now I'm afraid at the start of this podcast that we've gone too far into like, I still wouldn't put him against Toronto with Kawhi. I'm not putting him ahead of Philly. I'm not putting him ahead of Milwaukee. I still need to see what happens here with Brooklyn. So even though like we're looking at this Boston thing and, and I'm agreeing with the stat thing here where you're right. I mean, when you have to take all those bad shots, it's probably more than two bad shots a game. Yeah, maybe like three Kemp, or four. Right, especially on that Charlotte team specifically, right? Because there wasn't even another dude. Like that was always the Isaiah thing. At, in Boston that I, I feel like nobody paid attention to, and I repeat it all the time, but the reason he had those numbers is not only was everything set up for him, but nobody else even cared. Like Avery right. Bradley was the second most aggressive offensive player. That's ridiculous, right? So with somebody like Kemba, there wasn't even another guy that, that was going to go, hey, that's a bad shot or that's a bad shot. It was just, I'm going to try to work you off the dribble and I'm going to figure out a way if I can get you. And then you know, a lot of times too, and I, I think KOC did a really good job with this, like looking at his spot of shooting numbers off the ball, like that's something that gets you excited because I'd love to see Gordon Hayward back in a role that we saw with him at the end of his Utah run where he was this incredible playmaking big, you know, six seven, six eight, but with the ball in his hands, made really good decisions. So, you know, even if, say they had gone Vucevic instead of Kemba, and I'm also going to give your guy um, Charks, did I say that right? Sorry. Sharks. Give him a lot of credit because he broke down kind of the Kemba, I'm sure you read it, but the Kemba Vucevic thing where, you know, Al Horford was really the 
the thing that made this thing go because he's this big who takes threes at a really good rate, can pass and also defends, which Vooch isn't going to be able to do. But it was kind of funny how he was arguing more that the Celtics would want a Vucevic more than a Kemba. So, like, I like the Kemba thing. I think it's a relief that, you know, he's he's going to be somebody who comes in and is the the opposite personality of, of what Kyrie was. But I still don't know that, like, I'm ready until I see Tatum kind of get back to where he was two years ago or Jalen two years ago, although he finished really well and without a center. Like, I still don't even know if I'd put him in the top four of the East. Is that fair? Yeah, I would I would have them. Let's say they get Kemba, and let's say they figure out whatever with the 4.8. They get Rashawn Holmes and, you know, Willie Collistein, whatever it is. I love Rashawn Holmes. Yeah, so it, it's a four seed, and it's not a team that can win the title. I think what's what's fun about it is you're in the mix. You've now put a nucleus together that's one guy or one move away from really becoming interesting. And most important, it's a really fun team. Kemble Walker, um, who again, I, I think is probably third if you're going to go just talent-wise, Dame, Kyrie, and Kemba, is by all accounts a beloved teammate and somebody who busts his ass and really gives a shit and just cares about team, 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 that's it. Like even his usage rate was lower than Dame and Kyrie the last three years. Um, that seems so impossible. Have, that's probably I Batum. Know. There's probably a little Batum hangover on that one, but. Oh, I can't even imagine what, right. what the reason is. I would have thought his usage rate would have been like 37. It was 29. But you have that. And then you're basically, you're putting the cards on the Jason Tatum table and the Gordon Hayward table. And you're hoping that the flashes that Hayward showed, especially that last month of the season when they were running stuff through him as a point forward and his playmaking ability and and his unselfishness and if you put that, you take the Kyrie piece away because they clearly had issues, not just playing together, but I really do feel like he had some like PTSD with Kyrie because of the alley-oop and some other shit. Um, <laughs> you take that away and you, ha- you, you add like a healthier, more confident playmaking Hayward. And then the biggest, biggest X factor is Tatum. What is he next year? Is he going to be a guy that goes to the line? Is, it, is there going to be, is he going to add stuff to his game? that is commensurate with the talent that he seems to have, or is it going to be the same guy we watched last year who's jacking up shots, who is kind of a black hole, who plays hard, but doesn't seem like it's life or death for him sometimes is what, what happens with him is almost more important than any of this stuff, because that that's the ceiling for them is if he becomes an actual star, then we can start talking about them as a top four. Don't you think? Absolutely. And right now, if it doesn't happen this year, then it's going to go, wow, that was, that was really misleading, you know, to be that young, to be doing it, even though I still think that playoff run is a little overrated uh, yep. two years ago. You know, it, it, it allows you to think like, hey, you know, just a bucket away for playing for a title. <laughs> like, yeah, but, you know, I, I just always feel like that thing becomes in hindsight, like really overrated. But he, the way he played, and you just said it too, like, I don't know. I could pull it up here in a second because maybe I should have thought of this, but I always felt like he was a more like some of his vision stuff that he showed me as as a rookie. I'm like, oh my gosh, like if he drives and the help comes and then he'll find somebody to kick it out to, like forget it. This guy's going to be incredible. And then you go, is he taking long twos because he's pissed at Kyrie? <laughs> like, what, right. what are you like? You're going to do this now? And people well, want to blame Kobe, which was the, the best part of the whole thing. But I still blame Kobe. <laughs> Ryan, we but. We both played basketball. I mean, let's go there. We did. We both played we basketball. Did. Yep. 
I do think you get caught up into how the rest of your team is playing. And if, and if it's a black hole situation and you know, Oh shit, Marcus Morris is in and Kyrie's in when the ball swings to me, I got a shooter. I'm not going to see it again. That does happen. That's a realistic thing. And we saw from two years before it was less of a black hole situation, but there did seem to be a little more unselfishness than what we saw last year. And I, I think the intriguing thing to me with if you had Kemba and Hayward and Jalen Brown and Tatum is I do think there would be an unselfishness, especially if you put the fifth guy in there who just wants to set picks and rebounds and stay out of the way and not care about if he touches the ball. It's definitely a more interesting team. I think the the big takeaway for me is this was going from a situation where you go, wow, this ended abruptly. The window is now closed. They now have to rebuild and retool, and there now has to be a three- to four-year plan in place to try to get back to contention. You bring Kemba in, 47 to 50 wins becomes realistic again, and then, more importantly, you're one piece away again. And they have that Memphis pick. Memphis traded Conley. Memphis is now rebuilding around Morant and uh, and Jaron Jackson. And it's just unrealistic that they're going to be a playoff team next year. It's a top five protected pick. That might be the sixth, seventh pick, or it might roll over and they might get it a year later. And then the protections are even, even worse for Memphis. So that is their one big trade chip. And Langford, I think, is a trade chip too. He's 19. He was the fifth highest ranking uh, high schooler a year ago. And if they wanted to package Langford, and that Memphis pick and Smart's contract or whatever, I think they could potentially get something. My point is they're alive again if this Kemba thing happens. Now, if it doesn't happen, I think it would be devastating because it, they, there are now signs of life with the Celtics' future. And if Dallas came in and pulled them away, um, that would be bad. Are you surprised Charlotte didn't go all in on them? At the five years, 221? No. Not at the five years, 221. But I thought when Kemba, like in an unprecedented admission of let's make it work where he goes, I don't need the five years, 221. I mean, when, that doesn't happen. I couldn't. So I go, okay, well, that, that just means that Charlotte can say, hey, we don't have to pay you this. And this is kind of the whole point of my, like, everybody thinks the Supermax is stupid or it's wrong or it's not working the right way. And I go, no, it just works differently for different people depending on what their decisions are and what's what's important to them. And... I still thought they could do a five-year version of it where it's like, we're not going to even do that, but we'll do the other big one. But then does that mean now he's been disrespected or does Jordan look at it going? And I was reading a lot of the Charlotte stuff last night. And, you know, I know people can look at Jordan and say, this guy's a terrible owner, you know, front office changeover. What's the plan here? Um, you know, I had, I had one scout that said um, when I'd heard Charlotte was connected to Rui Hachimura, who ended up not even being there when they wanted him. And I was like, yeah, you, I, they, I think Charlotte, I've heard, wants them. And like, oh, that makes sense because they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> and, and I just went, wow. Okay. Um, so, so you add all these things up, but like, could, could anyone argue with Jordan by going, because they have so many high-salaried guys. Their salary sheet's ridiculous for a team that's not even in the playoffs. And Jordan's like, I'm going to be a luxury tax paying team. And we not, we like, we're, if I sign Kemba, we're a luxury tax team, likely. And I'm not even a lock to be in the top eight in the East. Like, what's the point? So I, I would say, here's the point. I, I, I go back and forth. I think last week I thought they shouldn't sign him, but I was really thinking about it. And I made a list. I know you hate lists of the best players. So oh, I have a list for my you list. though. I have you, I have a list for you later. It's going to go forever. I just made a list of like, all right, who are the best, 
who are the best 40 players in the league right now? Not a trade value list, but just like. I like that. Who are the best 40? Like if I just started next season, what 40 guys would I want to have? Kemba's obviously on that list. He's in the top 20. He's somewhere between 18 to 22, depending on how you'd feel. But for them, you're just losing that asset. You're getting nothing for it. If you signed him for like five years, 185, something like that, man, that's high. Oh my God, we're going to have to pay the luxury tax. I still think you could flip that because, you know, December, January, February, I still feel like that's an asset that you could turn into more assets. Maybe you could dump a couple, a, a contract or two out, whatever you wanted to do. I would almost want to sign him just as the asset, not even thinking long-term we're going to win a title with this guy. And I think, I think it's a mistake to let him go. And I, and you know, I, I guess I don't understand the point of having a team if you're not going to go into luxury tax once. Then maybe you should sell the team. There's lots of rich guys that want to buy an NBA team right now. And if the luxury tax is that scary to you that you're just like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> I'm out. Good luck, Kemba. Maybe you shouldn't own the team. If Jordan had a better track record, um, I would I'd probably disagree with you stronger, you know? And yeah. Like to think about what Jordan's been able to do. I mean, this isn't a guy who's invested in a bunch of dot com stuff and is worried about making payroll. Um, but you know, I don't even know. I'd love to know the finances of of what he actually had to put down because I think NBA, the NBA, the league itself wanted him to be in there as an owner really badly. Like like some of these deals, I think you would agree with this because I think you know the ownership stuff better than a lot of people out there. And it certainly have a Bud Sealy. Like Bud Sealy just picked people he liked. So you get the team, you don't. I'm like yeah, what if I want to bid more? Yeah, I don't care. You get it. The NBA has, I think, you know, over the years, like made sure that everybody was on the same page with who they bring in. I mean, the other 29 guys want that guy to be there. And I think Jordan is definitely somebody they wanted um, in ownership. But I can't, I don't know. It was, it was hard when I was going through it all and looking at all the terrible contracts they've done, which is their own fault. And to have them go, wait a minute, you really think I'm supposed to sit here and and do this and, and pay the luxury tax? But you're right, like at 30 Two years from now, would they be able to flip him in as some kind of asset? Sure. But, you know, there are times I've always felt that way, like when Atlanta did the Joe Johnson deal. And I'm like, ah, you just keep the asset. And you go, or you don't pay Joe Johnson that much. So I'd love to know what the final demand was from Kemba's side. And if they were just, hey, we'll only match what's the most you can get from everybody else, then that's where a player can start going, okay, well, now I'm being disrespected. And by the way, we're not even that good. So I'll go up to Boston and uh, try to get into the playoffs here. I think Charlotte's salary mess is both worse than we're making it seem, but also better because if they signed him, let's say they started him at 33 million and gave him like 180 for five, whatever, they would be a luxury tax team. But there's also light at the end of the tunnel because Kid Gilchrist, 13 million. This is the last year of that Marvin Williams, 15 million. That's the last year of that. Biombo is 17 million. That's the last year of that. So they're wiping almost 50 million off the books after this season. So they would not be a luxury tax team the year after. And then uh, in the 2020 season, that's when they would also lose Batum and uh, Cody Zeller for another 42. So they would really take the hit for this one season. And I guess the question is, if I'm, if I'm in Charlotte and I'm Michael Jordan, um, is it worth it to take the hit once? And obviously they thought, no, it's not worth it. But if I'm a Hornets fan, I'm like, holy shit, really? So you're not going to pay the luxury tax one time and we're just going to lose this guy and that's it. I get to watch him on Boston 
Um, I could see him in the playoffs. And the other thing with, with the Celtics getting Kemba, he's somebody that's never really had a taste, you know? And I, I like getting those guys, those late 20s guys who've never really been, you know, have, have, have not been in that, that May playoff game on a, on a Wednesday night, you know, the eight o'clock start time and it's game five of round two and you, you have a chance to make the conference finals. I love those guys. Those are the guys that are going 140 miles an hour trying to do everything they possibly can. And it's such a contrast from where they were with Kyrie in that Buck series last year, which I keep coming back to, but it, it was traumatizing to watch how little he cared in that Buck series, you know? And I, I think they just want to get away from that more than anything. Give us guys who care. Well, I told you that I think EEI had a poll up at the beginning of the week and said who would be better on the Celtics, Kemba or Kyrie. And right. I mean, this is classic, but it was 96% Kemba. The love affair for Kemba in this city, it's not even going to be about the fact that he's Kemba or that he was at UConn or had that magical run or that he's good. It's going to be such a celebration of the anti-Kyrie that it's going to get weird. Like, yeah. It's going to be your buddy who's bragging about a girl and you're like, look, I get you like her and she's yeah, cool and everything. You're happy, but I like, know. But, you know, and then he's like, no, you don't understand. The other one, she used to get drunk at brunch and she assaulted a waitress. And, <laughs> you know, she like was, she was sexting with my brother. Like, you don't, you don't understand how bad it got. And we're like, oh, wow, that's why Cliff is so happy now. Yeah. Like, I didn't, I didn't really get it before. It's going to be, they're going, because the Kyrie thing's going to get so nasty because there's going to be some articles that come out. We've already talked about all this stuff. We just need to rehash it all. But it's going to be not just a celebration of, of Kemba. It's going to be a celebration that he's not Kyrie. And it's going to be really funny in the beginning. I think Kemba will never be the best guy on a finals team. Or even, no. you know, could he even be what Lillard was, the best guy on a conference finals team? I'm not sure. I think the rest of the team would have to be really good. What he can be is the second best guy on a really good team. And... Yeah, that no one's going to say the, first, right? I mean, that, right. yeah. But if he's your one B, you're in really good shape, and and that goes back to the Tatum thing, which the Tatum thing is the single most important thing Boston has going on now. Like, if you just strip everything away, can Tatum get there? Is the number one question with the Celts, and the thing that they think about all the time, and you know, the ceiling of this team. They made that Brooklyn trade, and guess what? The assets left are basically Jalen Brown. And Jason Tatum and Jason Tatum has a puncher's chance of being a top 10 guy. I don't know if he's going to get there. He certainly took a step back last year, but at least he's in the mix. I have a couple more topics for you. Real quick, though, I looked up the Tatum stuff here. Like to, the fact that he's at a 15 PER back to back years isn't a great sign. The true shooting it's percentage a bad went sign. down. Um, the assist rate, you know, went up a bit, rebounding a bit, but. You know, just some of the other metrics like win shares and all that other stuff, like to drop off the way he did in that second year when he played the same number of minutes and the usage rate went up just a little bit. Um, he he better show it this year or he's going to be that guy that you go. Remember when we thought Tatum was like one of the best trade chips in the NBA? And it's fair to have thought that way his, his yes. rookie year. But I've, I've always said that if you're going to be really special, like Zion, if he's going to be truly special, we're going to see glimpses of it this year and it'll be confirmed in his second year. It, it usually doesn't, you know, Kawhi, other guys, those those are those are anomalies. So if Tatum has another lackluster year, that's probably who he's going to end up being. So you're right. We've talked about this before, so I'm just going to say it quickly. But the free throw attempts to me are everything with Tatum. If if he's got to be in the seven eight range next year, he just has to it, because otherwise he's just chucking up twenty footers and threes, and I just don't 
I think there's a lot of guys in the league that can do that. Let's take a quick break. And then I, I want to throw some free agency takeaways at you. Hey, it's summertime. That means it's time to get outside and enjoy the weather with some crisp, refreshing Bud Lights. Bud Light has the perfect summer lineup with Bud Light Lime and Bud Light Orange, both brewed with real citrus peels. Oh, yeah. New and in just in time for the summer is Bud Light Lemon Tea, brewed with real lemon peels and tea leaves. It's the ideal drink for the summer. It's only here for a limited time. Get it before it's gone to really get you in the summer spirit. Bud Light giving everyone the chance to win the getaway of a lifetime. You can win two tickets aboard a VIP cruise to the Bahamas this summer, featuring a live performance by Jake Owen. And of course, plenty of Bud Light for a chance to win. Simply post your Bud Light summertime photos using the hashtag, hashtag real enough to get away and hashtag Bud Light contest on Facebook and Instagram. See BudLight.com slash real enough to get away for more details. So, it is now 2.35 East Coast time, Thursday. We have free agency coming up. I'm introducing a segment. I have not prepped you with this, but it's sometimes it's more fun not to prep you. 2019 free agency takeaways before free agency even begins. I have eight takeaways. We haven't even had free agency yet. Number one, this is in your wheelhouse. You suggested this. Kawhi is the most confusing free agent we've had in recent NBA history. I, I have not seen... Somebody heading toward July 1st, leaving more teams confused, reading tea leaves, asking friends of friends of friends and teammates for friends of teammates. Uh, it, the all-time free agent enigma I think we've ever had. What do, what do you think? Couldn't agree more. I, I did a thing on this with Van Pelt after the draft when I was back in Bristol doing SportsCenter. And I talked to you know teams that like all the teams, cap space hope to, to get an audience with him. And one assistant GM I was talking to, I go, you know, what do you think? You know, what are you hearing? He goes, no, no, don't, don't ask those questions about Kai, uh, Kawhi. Don't, don't ask them because it, there's, there's no, there's no inner circle. There's, and these were his words. It was, it was fascinating. And he just kept going on and on. He goes, you go down the trail and you think it's going to lead somewhere to some kind of hint. The trail goes dry. It doesn't happen. You ask for a phone number. Now that one doesn't work. Like what's up? What's up with it? Like, is it, is it his uncle? And then he goes, the uncle takes all this heat and the uncle's actually like a really, uh, he's a really educated guy. And, and this is somebody who's, you know, trained in finance and, but he's just not going to talk to a million different people. He goes, there's no like barbershop where you can find out like how he really feels. There's no AAU connection. He goes, the guys in San Antonio still don't really know who this guy was and don't really understand what the hell happened. So he goes out and works out in San Diego and people are like, he just shows up, works out and leaves. Like, it was so incredible. And then you start talking to teams over and over again. And Bill, it's the same thing. And that the message was, at least from the guys, like I appreciated teams telling me that they knew they didn't know and also warning me, don't listen to somebody that starts telling you that they know because there, there, isn't, there isn't access to where he's leaning like there are with every other player. And other, other players have kept secrets. LeBron's been good with it in the past. Durant's trying to do it right now with this whole thing. But there's still leans. There's still ways this could possibly go. With Kawhi, it's unlike anything that I've ever seen. And there's a lot of teams that feel the same way. So, yes. We really, from all we can tell, it's basically just Uncle Dennis. It doesn't seem like... I th it really seems like that's the extent of the inner circle. These other guys, like... When LeBron was coming to the Lakers and everybody knew it for a year, there were so many ten LeBron tentacles and it was impossible for people not to find out, not to mention he bought all the real estate. 
the Kawhi thing, it's basically <laughs> trying to read Uncle Dennis, who says nothing and and only talks to basically two people. And then the fact that Kawhi bought a house in San Diego, which may mean nothing or everything. Other than that, like I'm amazed by how the his teammates don't seem to even have any feel for him. The way they talk about him is you can even see it at the parade. Like they're on eggshells with him because they can't figure him out. You know, he he wore that board band shirt at the parade and and he did the fake Kawhi laugh and they reacted like it was like, oh my God, we're sharing this moment with this guy. We you know, I, I I can't remember an NBA player like this. We've had enigmas. Like, I don't think Hakeem was, you know, really a, a complicated guy. I don't think people were sitting there trying to figure out Hakeem. He was just this quiet guy who kicked everybody's ass. I don't think people totally knew what he was thinking at all times. But um, even Hakeem, I felt like somebody like Kenny Smith or Vernon Maxwell, like those guys had a feel for him. I don't know if anyone has a feel for Kawhi. And I'm with you. I Like anything he does on June 30th, July 1st, whenever the date is is picked, I'm just prepared for anything. Like if he said, you know what? I just have always wanted to be a Laker. I've never told anybody. I'm going to take a little less to play with LeBron and Davis. I wouldn't be shocked, would you? That one would actually shock me. I know would I'm breaking the rule. Okay. I know I'm breaking the rule that I just said, but it, it's, it's always felt like Camp LeBron is kind of known that Kawhi doesn't exactly want to sign up for that. Mm. Okay. That's at least how they feel, right? Like, hey, you know, because um, when all this stuff Because they would have gotten signs. Yeah, yeah, I think. But, you know, they, they've been wrong about stuff too, right? You know, it, I mean, everybody's wrong about stuff every now and then. Like, hey, we think this is going to happen. We think this is going to possibly happen. Because um, going back even a year ago when the Lakers were, I don't know how close they were or weren't, you know, there's always been this thought that if Ingram were included, then they would have gotten that deal done last year for the Spurs. There's other people yeah. that think there's no way Popovich was ever trading Kawhi to the Lakers because, you know, he he doesn't want any of the stuff. Although it was, remember when Le- Pop was doing like that, that stretch there where he was complimenting LeBron, it felt like every hour. Yeah. <laughs> when when San Antonio was, was hoping to kind of potentially be in the mix for LeBron. So, um, yeah, if Kawhi said, hey, I'm going to be a Lake, like to your your bigger point, yeah, I don't think there's really anything that's going to surprise me because we just don't know. We don't know that much about him. His teammates and how they interact or how they react to him is such a great point to bring up. But I think it would probably surprise the LeBron guys a little if if Kawhi said, oh, yeah, actually, I do want to just be a Laker here. Um, and like like I've said before, too, can you imagine being Kawhi and thinking you have anything left to prove? Like, what's the biggest thing about this motivation? It's not a ring. You've just done it twice. And you've evolved into this star, maybe the best player in the game in a way that we've never really seen before. That's another thing. Like, how unlikely is he as the best player? If, you, if you're, we're sitting here saying he's the best player in the NBA, he's the best player in the world, it may have been Durant if Durant stays healthy and with the way everything was going there. Let's just say for everything that's happened, the results are this. Kawhi's the best player in the world. Have we ever had an, as an unlikely number one player in the NBA as Kawhi? It's pretty crazy. We Even when I made that top 40 list, which I made in five seconds, I was surprised how easily I put Kawhi in the one spot. I was like, well, like, how can you not put him in the one spot? He just had one of the best playoff runs we've ever seen. And he's the best two-way player in the league. And he's only 27, about to be 28. Unless there's stuff going on with his leg that we don't know about. I don't see with Durant out of the equation. Um it's either him or Giannis for that top spot. And by the and, way, if there is something going on with his leg, <laughs> like, 
can you imagine? Oh yeah, by the way, I still am not healthy. I mean, I don't know that I believe, like how could he have played this well? But anyway. Well, that I was going to ask you this. All right, let's say his free agent possibilities are the Clippers. I'm going to throw the Philadelphia 76ers in there just for the hell of it. Toronto. And is there wait, any other team you'd throw in? Let's say the Knicks just for fun. Shits okay. and giggles. Would you want to see his medicals before you made him a four-year max offer or would you just wing it? Uh, I Well, I mean, of course you'd want to see them, right? What if you're Philly and he says, and okay. Uncle Dennis says, board man wants to sign with Philly, can't see medicals. Just you get that text. Just yes or no right now. What would you do? Uh, how close am I to being fired as a GM? <laughs> well, you're, well, you're out in brand, so you're close. Uh, no, I just got the gig. I just, I brought no, you're four close. guys. You're, you're, you're the Harris Butler thing. You're close. Because somebody's going to leak that I said yes to that contract if, if it goes wrong. So I can't, yeah, I can't it, say it, yes to that. And they'll be like, do you see what Rosillo did? Dennis <laughs> sent him a text saying, hey, four years max, can't see medicals. Band. And Rosillo did an all caps done with a smiley face emoji. <laughs> 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 board band watts four-year max yes oh, or no yeah okay but ba based on what i just saw why would you not want to give him that i mean if durant's going to get a four-year max and he just blew out his achilles and he's what three years older i you know there's a there's a worse contract to give out there but i don't know that i could put myself in that situation but would you okay would you agree that there have been things there's guys that we've heard about over the years that were like oh yeah by the way you know the word on the street is you know so-and-so's foot is shot and that yeah. this is a disaster. And I hear, and by the way, that's, that's usually that intelligence is correct. Like we heard that with Blake Griffin's knee in 2015 and 16. Yeah. His knees are never going to be the same. Guess what? His knees haven't been the same. Like usually these guys are right when you hear that stuff. All right. right? You just, yeah. Well, I, I feel like there's been a couple that I've heard where like I what? go, I don't really know that I want to say, but they were oh, wrong. Right. Yeah, they were wrong. So let's just leave it at that. Like there was a couple okay. higher profile players that, you know, over the course of just talking and I was like, Hey, do you ever hear about, you know, so-and-so like we, we heard a doctor said this guy, you know, they wouldn't even clear him physically. And then the guys have made like three all-star teams since then. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, so I remember Brandon Roy last decade really having good intel on that one. And, and people saying like, look, that guy's going to be great, but he's going to be out of the league in like five, six years. I'm like, really? Like, yeah. He's going to be out of the league. Like, out of the league? Yeah. He's out of the league in five or six years. So I, I do think, like, with knees and, uh, you know, like, repeated stress fractures and feet and stuff like that, the Kawhi injury, I got to say, I still don't totally understand what the injury was. It's, it's whenever they describe it and talk about it, I, I'm confused. Like, did he re-aggravate it last year? Boardman hasn't told us. So... I don't know. I don't, I don't know. He, it sure looked like, especially in the post-title celebration, Rachel Nichols posted that one thing where she was talking to Lowry and Kawhi came over with the trophy and he was calling it the Larry OB. You must've seen that clip, right? It was like a minute. Um, Kawhi was limping and it, it was like a limp, like, you know, like a pronounced old guy limp. Like he, like his body had merely barely made it through the finals. So I don't know. I, I would I would tend toward wanting to see the medicals, but if Uncle Dennis put a gun to my head, I think I would just fold, probably do it, get fired. I'm not as good at breaking down. 
<laughs> but uh, I got to see this limp footage. I got. Uh, I'll I send gotta, it to you yeah. after. It's it's on there. It's he's he's definitely a limp. It's a full limp. But he did play twenty three playoff games and went from you know this load management season where they were really careful with him to they the, especially the last two rounds he was playing hurt. I have no idea how the Kawhi thing plays out. If I had to bet right now, we're heading into the weekend. I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I would say 55-45. 45 would be the Clippers. I've been thinking he was going to go to the Clippers this whole time. 45 Clippers, 55. He does a one-and-one one with Toronto and keeps his options open because he would be the number one free agent next year too. So that's my prediction, which is not really a prediction, but I would go 55-45. What would you do? I'm going to go 55-45 the other way. Okay. Clippers and then the Toronto thing. Because the Toronto one-on-one thing, the first time it was presented as an option, I'm like, oh, yeah, hey, okay, yep, that makes sense. Gets the two more years. If he wants to do it, he's still sort of in control of this whole thing. But what if he's injured? Does he really want to do a one-on-one? Um, and I still don't know how injured he really is. Like, I think it could hurt, and it's a playoff run, and there were so many moments where everything was on him offensively. But I actually think that, Toronto showed great scoring depth, more so against Golden State than they did in some of the yep. other rounds. So it wasn't like he was constantly having to do it. You made a great point during the finals where we were watching him, and you go, okay, watch him at minute three or four of this quarter where he decides, okay, now I'm going to be really, really aggressive and do it. And is yep. that just his own maintenance throughout a game? Is that the way some vets do it, or is that because there's something that's hindering him from going that hard for an eight-minute stretch in a quarter, you know? So if... If all of these, like, say this thing, and I got to just get off this injury thing here, but if he's really into Toronto, wouldn't he just do a longer-term deal in Toronto? So if people that are saying, oh, he could do a one-on-one, and I don't think that's based on any information from him after everything we've just said and how hard he is to gather any information on, like if there's any hesitancy, why is he even staying in Toronto in the first place? So that's why I'm 55 the other way. I'm going to flip that back at you, though. San Antonio eventually gave up and traded him because they were so 100,000% convinced that he was getting up in L.A. with this next contract. Then he goes to Toronto, has a really good experience. But if he ends up staying in Toronto, then I think retroactively we have to go back and really wonder what the fuck happened in San Antonio because I still haven't heard the whole story. I've heard pieces of the story. I know chunks of it. But it feels like something deeper was going on there for him to leave that situation. Unless like the whole pop so great, San Antonio is so great, it's so wonderful. Unless that's all media bullshit and we don't know the real story with what goes on there. And maybe that's part of it. Maybe pop's not as great as we all seem to think. I don't know. I don't know what to think. That one's a tough one for me to go down that road when all the other guys seem to love pop. And there's always going to be, look, there's always guys that roll through Belichick's camp that go, oh, this isn't for me, this whole Patriots way, this Maybe, brainwash yeah. thing. Like, I'm not, I'm not feeling this. But, you know, when, when you look at what Popovich has done, I don't know. I, I mean, that would be weird that the mo that's always the other part about the Kawhi thing that's always so amazing is that we're looking at this NBA world of disgruntled superstar. And then it was just like, you know who gets it, though? Kawhi. You know who <laughs> yeah. would never do this? Kawhi. And then in just a tornado blowtorch approach to it all is like, I'm not even playing for you guys. Like I'm out. And you know, what's really incredible though. A big part of what was driving him was 
if you believe the written reports and the spoken reports that he just felt like no matter how well he did in, in San Antonio, he was going to be anonymous. And a lot of that came from that 2017 season where it was him versus Westbrook for, versus Harden for the MVP and Kawhi didn't win. And the the feeling coming out of that allegedly was I, I'm just never going to be a big deal if I play here and I need to go to a bigger market. And it really did seem like that was one of the things that drove him from leaving San Antonio. Now you fast forward to right now, he really is one of the most interesting guys in the league. He is a household name. He had, he's at a totally different level of respect, um, both in the league, historically, legacy wise. I think he's the best player of the league. You could argue that whole gamble worked out for him about as well as anything has worked out for a player. All of it, the way he handled it, the team that he ended up landing on, the fact that he gave it a chance, and now the position he's in, pretty great. It, it all worked out. This is a 10 out of 10 for where he was a year and a half ago. And it makes me wonder if other players notice that and are going to think, you know, if this becomes now a barometer for in their heads. Well, when Kawhi did this, it worked out and here's what happened. And maybe this just leads to more of that. I don't know. I'm rambling. No, but it's it's worth bringing up. But the, the warning is, oh, by the way, just go ahead and win a title, though. Yeah. You know, you, you have be to be the best part of the league. Yeah, you have to you have to be the number one player in the NBA and you have to win a title. If you do those two things, then everybody's cool with you. Because if other guys try to do it in this way where it's I'm just gonna kind of shut this whole thing down. And I know there's people that still believe, hey, he was hurt, they misdiagnosed it, he didn't trust him, screw the spurs, on and on and on. I don't know. I'm just not I can't get over the fact that there's still the time that I'd heard that he would show up and he would work out and he played two on two with older guys and the rest of the guys would be watching and being like, what is going on here? And he's like, I'm out. But then it's okay. He, he was mad about the sneaker deal and that they didn't give him a signature shoe. And you're like, your whole deal is, is that you are anonymous. Okay. Like it's not Nike's fault. It's not a yeah. 12 year old's fault that, that doesn't even want to buy your shoe because you don't talk, you don't say anything. So then, you know, you go to Toronto and you sign with new balance problem solved. Like that doesn't really make a ton of sense, even though the New Balance thing has actually been great. Like I think New Balance has done an awesome job with it. I'll admit, Bill, there's a couple pairs I've gone. Mm. Kind of like those. Wow. Yeah. I'll, I'll Revelation. Say yeah, 617. What's up? But uh I don't I I wouldn't I wouldn't start if I'm another player, I wouldn't be like, hey, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna pull Kawhi. Just shut it down. <laughs> Just shut it down, force my way out, and we'll take it from there. Because if you lose in the second round and you're gonna be a more vocal guy, that's the other thing. When Kawhi doesn't talk, there's less things for us to be upset about you know when if somebody's talking all of the time it's like you know i really like this player 90 percent of the time but he said this one thing and now i hate him forever i mean that's just how we work it's how it works for guys in our business so Kawhi gave you actually no information so you couldn't even get that mad at anything he was saying about everything as it was going down so to mimic this is impossible Kyrie tried to mimic it and it didn't go well i mean he was doing it at, on actually an earlier timeline than Kawhi, but this is not not really that replica. I do think one last thing on the Spurs, they're notoriously, they never say anything to anybody and it's very Belichickian how they operate that stuff. They're pissed off about this Kawhi thing. I think they've been pissed off for a year. Stuff's floated out. I'm sure you've heard stuff. I've heard stuff where, where they're just like, this fucking guy quit on us last year. Like they do think that where they will never say it publicly. They're never going to, they're never going to really shit on him in a major way. But I do feel like, you know, they drafted the guy in 2011. They taught him how to shoot. They put him in every possible position to succeed. 
And whatever happened between them, they feel like he quit on them and that they're always going to feel that way. And that's just the way it is. So. Uh, I totally agree. Can confirm that there's people that feel like the Spurs slowly losing. You know how when a team, you know how you'll hear a rumor about a team? Like I'll never forget like when the Sixers were trying to figure out how to get rid of Iverson and it felt like the Celtics were really close. Yeah. And you go, you know, if the Celtics are giving you the best deal here, just go ahead and do it. Like who cares? It's like now nah, Philly... Philly just couldn't stand the idea of him being in a Celtics uniform coming back and playing in Philadelphia that much, you know? So you gotta we gotta trade him to the Western Conference. Like these teams that obsess over the idea that, you know, we gotta get especially when it's a bad team, like, oh, we don't have to worry about going through him in the playoffs. But like, hey, newsflash, you're not making the playoffs without this guy. So who cares? Yeah. Just make the best trade. This is taking on a whole new world for the Spurs because it's like, yeah, we traded him out of the conference, but now we're watching everything go his way that I've I've heard exactly that, that this is kind of driving him crazy. Yeah, it hurts. Right? Because well, it wasn't it just it wasn't just somebody they drafted. Like, you know, they really worked with him and together created this awesome player. And 90% of that goes to him, but they uh, he was also in the best possible situation, learning from the best possible teammates. And when you come into the league and you have Tim Duncan for the first five years of your career, what's better than that? And Manu Ginobili and Popovich. So I do feel like, uh, you know, on the uh, they probably definitely felt betrayed. But on the other hand, you know, it's a free country. And he obviously felt like they misdiagnosed something. All right, we have more free agency takeaways for you. But we're going to take a break. Hey, finding a dress shirt that fits is hard. Collars are too tight. Sleeves are too long. Something is always not right. Luckily, ordering a custom fit shirt has never been easier. Thanks to PropperCloth at PropperCloth.com. You can easily create a custom shirt size in seconds by answering 10 easy questions. Then you can completely customize your shirt to get the style you want. Choose from over 20 collar styles, 10 cuff styles, and over 500 fabric styles from classic business to casual. The team at Proper Cloth works with the best fabric producers from around the world. They only buy fabrics that meet their high quality expectations. Plus, each one of their shirts goes through extensive quality control testing. So you're getting the absolute best quality and craftsmanship these shirts are made completely custom for you, and they start at just $80. Stop wearing shirts that don't fit. Start looking your best with a custom fitted shirt. Go to propercloth.com slash Simmons today. Enter gift code Simmons to save $20 on your first shirt. Do it today. All right, we're back. A couple things happened. It's now almost 3 o'clock East Coast time. A couple things happened that we should just mention. One is that uh, there's reports now that Kawhi is going to be with the Lakers, so maybe not as crazy as we seem to think 10 minutes ago. And then uh, it looks like the Lakers were able to dump their dudes on New Orleans to create a little bit more cap space. What does that mean now? Does that mean they can get a third max guy? It seems like, and I, I hate to try to be a cap expert in real time here, um, but it's it feels like they're... All right, this is the first one that I've seen from somebody I trust, but they're 700 grand short of the max slot, which is a big difference from where the worst versions of this were 23 million. And by the way, now everybody's demanding an apology for Rob Palenka. Mo Wagner, Mo Wagner, Wagner. Yeah, please. Jamario Jones and Isaac Bonga to the wizards for a 2000 and with a 2022 second round pick. So they must've put money in there too. I'm guessing, right? That has to be like N $5 million would be the only way that makes sense to me. Otherwise, why would the Wizards help them? So now they have cap space. As you know, I'm rooting for Kyrie to end up with the Lakers, I think would be the funniest outcome. Please, 
please, please have that happen. Well, uh, that's the other free- thing is that everybody's now saying, okay, Lakers are, and Clippers are both getting the meeting now. Um, and now they can still do this with, if you look at Kyrie's slot, he'd be just missing it by a mill or two. I, I mean, I don't want to do this right now because I'm sure I have yeah, to sit yeah, down and read fine. it all later, but it's, yeah, yeah. it's significant enough. Weekend. It's significant enough now to do this, but now it is kind of like, hey, Palinka always knew what he was doing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. A um, couple more free agency takeaways. Rick Buecher postured that Golden State could do the first ever delayed Supermax sign and trade with KD. So here's how this would work, according to our friend Buecher. They signed KD to the five-year max, so he makes more money. And part of that is a Let's please never talk about the fact again that you went out there and tore your Achilles. Thanks. Can, can that never come up again? Cool. And then uh, wait till December and then trade it to a team that has cap space, which I guess they would create the cap space well ahead of time, knowing that come December or January, whenever you can officially trade the Supermax guy, you would then just trade for the KD thing. This could even get more nefarious where the other team could trade for maybe a guy Golden State likes or sign a guy Golden State likes and then kind of hold that guy on their team for two months and then flip them in the KD thing. All of this sounds crazy, but on the other hand, there's so much tampering and chicanery now in the NBA. I can't rule it out. How crazy does that seem to you? I had heard a version of this where it was kind of like a, hey, do the five-year, we give you the money. So basically everything Buker said, but you know, in a year... It allows you to kind of survey the landscape and you don't end up in New York, in one of the New York cities by yourself. And it was almost like maybe you'll change your mind and like us more and then you'll be able to stick around. But that would be an unprecedented amount of faith for a player like Durant where you'd go, are you going to trust if you go to the team that has your rights for four more years, once you get healthy again, that they're just going to trade you because you want to be traded? Like that'd be, you know what I mean? Like, Imagine sitting there going, yeah, okay, I'll take all the money. That's cool. We got this all worked out. Okay, guess what, guys? Like, I'm getting healthy. I don't want to come back. I do want to go to the Knicks. They have a plan for trading for somebody or getting somebody in 2020 in the summer. So that's what I want to do. And then you have to just trust that Bob Myers and ownership is like, okay, we, we will grant your wish, even though we have, at worst, the second best player on a contract still. Yeah, that sounds far-fetched. What sounds less far-fetched is if they just agreed, we'll trade you in January. And we're getting this back. And we know this at a time. I can't imagine Adam Silver would approve that, though. As much as he looks the other way, left and right these days, I feel like that one would be too weird. Because you'd have players on both teams, wonder, you know, just basically waiting it out. I still feel like either he stays with the Warriors or uh, or does the Knicks thing. And I, I, I still like the idea of him on the Knicks. I think that makes sense. Um, another free agency takeaway before we even have free agency. Tampering is just gone. We Mike Zarin had uh, had had this whole theory, the Celtics assistant GM, a couple of years ago that free agency should be before the draft. Free agency now is before the draft, and we, you know, we Al Horford knows before the draft that he's leaving for a four year deal. Where we still don't know who the team is, and now the Celtics can proceed with their draft, knowing that if they trade this Baines contract or the pick and go backwards, that will create 5 million more in cap space. And now they have a chance at Kemba Walker. Well, how did they know that? None of these teams are supposed to be talking on July. So can we just say that free agency basically starts before the draft now? Is that fair? 
Okay, but you realize that this is all the technicality, the semantics of an agent on your behalf can can talk and accept, um, not even accept, but they can they can hear an offer or not, you know, confirm the offer. Like this happens with us, right? So at the end of an ESPN contract, 90 days out from it, ESPN can start to talk to me. And then after that, it's supposed to be like 45 days or whatever it is. And then I started realizing like all of these other people that I worked with on the air were getting offers like a year ahead of time, knowing what they were doing. And I'm yeah. like, what the hell's going on here? Like I'm, I'm, I'm the idiot waiting around until 45 days to go. And they go, well, then you're an idiot because your agent is allowed to at least talk on your behalf and could could discuss the parameters of a contract in a new place if right. you're interested in doing that. So basically that's all this is. And tampering, bitching to me is the most tired thing ever. It doesn't bother me. And seriously, the only people it bothers is the people that lose the better player. Like all of you guys do it. All of the teams do it. All of the teams find out. But then when they lose one of their guys earlier than they thought they were supposed to, then they start screaming tampering when they're as guilty of doing the exact same thing. To varying degrees with some teams, that's fine. But I don't, tampering does not bother me. Complaining about it does. I'm pro tampering and I liked having free agency before the draft. And now I think this is the best of both worlds. And you're right. What can, what can stop, um, I don't know, Ricky Rubio's agent from hearing from Indiana that, hey, Ricky Rubio's agent, we're just telling you, we're going to offer you this the moment free agency is available. What do you think? That sounds great. We won't talk to anybody else. And they could just kind of wink at each other until the date. I'm fine with it. Um, another thing that's changed, we mentioned KD earlier. I was never really sure that this would play out this way, but now it seems like it is. We're going to see Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant get the max from whoever, probably the Warriors, maybe somebody else, at least with uh, Durant. With Clay, it seems like he's going back. It had never really been put to the test, and thank God. And then especially after with Boogie Cousins last year where he was hurt and he ends up settling for the one-year $5 million, that seemed like a real cautionary tale, right, or Isaiah Thomas. But I think what we're learning is if you're a top 20 guy, you're getting the max no matter what condition your body's in, unless it's in like a, you know, unless it's like a Todd Gurley arthritis in the knee situation where you're just clearly heading toward a different phase of your career. Um, I'm, I got to say, I'm, I'm surprised because we've been conditioned. Oh man, you take that money, man. You never know. Never know. Like even when LeBron was doing the one-on-ones, it was always like, oh man, it is risky. What if he gets hurt? But now it's, it doesn't seem to matter. No, no, I think you're right because you got to be a, a certain guy. Like with Boogie, when you're that he wasn't big, a certain guy. but he wasn't a top 20. And then it wasn't, let's be fair here, there, it wasn't even just about the talent. It was how much of a fit is this guy? Because if you're a bad team and you're bringing in Boogie at a bigger number, then, hey, guess what? The face of our franchise is Boogie Cousins and he's going to get mad the whole time because the team isn't that good. So actually, we, we can't do that. So I think his injury is is more specific. It's not even the injury. It's It's more about who he was. So, yeah, I mean, that that feel terrible. And I don't even think it is the cap space. Do you think if less teams had cap space, that Golden State would be able to say, yeah, well, you know, maybe we can shave off a few million here or there. They were able to do it with Curry, but Curry wasn't Steph Curry then when they did that first extension for him. And it, it wasn't, you know what I mean? It wasn't like, hey, there's this right. injury and now you're not playing for a year. We know what it is. It's this guy's freaking ankles can't stay, you know, upright. Yeah, I... I remember when they signed him to that contract being really torn on whether I thought it was too much money or a great deal. Cause it was just enough money that if he really got hurt and couldn't play, 
it really would have hurt them because the cap at that point was 30 million less than it is now. But on the flip side, it was like, man, if they keep him healthy on that contract, you know, and that turned out to be one of the five what if moments of this decade that really like swung the league is what if they weren't able to sign him to that cheap contract? They basically had him on the Russell Wilson rookie year Seahawks kind of level value for what they were getting. And it just allowed them to add their team. Uh, another free agency takeaway. I We already knew this, but I think it's worth mentioning again that uh, if the Knicks just get shut out and Brooklyn takes their spot here as a free agent destination in New York, it might be unrecoverable for the James Dolan era because now we're talking, this is seven, eight years of them not even being able to get in the door with free agents. And I do believe that these players especially the really good ones. They're online more. They're reading tweets. They're listening to podcasts. They're reading blog posts, whatever. They, they're they just much more aware of what organizations and owners are competent and which ones are a train wreck. And I think this Dolan thing is potentially unrecoverable. You know, there there's a roadmap where they might end up with D'Angelo Russell and Tobias Harris, for instance, and get, those are two of the best 40 to 45 guys in the league. That's better than nothing. But there, there's also a roadmap where they end up with either Kevin Durant, who can't play for a year, or they just get shut out. And I think when you look at the stature of the Knicks, like even the Lakers, who have been just as incompetent this decade, but have still been able to pull off Dwight Howard, Steve Nash. They pulled off LeBron. They pulled off Anthony Davis. Like they've still kept their cachet. The Knicks have lost all of their cachet at this point. And I don't know how they get it back without him selling the team. What do you think? I feel like it's already happened though. You know? Yeah. Like this whole thing was a tease then. What happened? Like if Durant were staying healthy, were he and Kyrie going there? You know, what's I don't know, but like you what, know, but what was that all the Porzing- But explain the Porzingis trade to me now, knowing that they might not get anybody. I think they wanted Porzingis out of there. It seems like it. Yeah. Well, they and, and they dump contracts. I mean, think about what just happened then. If if that actually happens, because now on social media, all that's happening now is that, oh my God, the Clippers aren't going to get anybody and everybody's going to end up on the Lakers. Like Kawhi is now going to the Lakers on social media by the time you've, you've listened to this thing. And, <laughs> yeah. and just an added thing, I can't believe, like I try to understand the salary cap. I used to know it much better when I was younger. And then once they made the most recent changes through, you know, the sign and trade things, always something to remember, some of the trade restrictions being lessened. And then there's just the minutia that, you know, you really have to decide to study the whole thing. But the number of people that are cap kind of guys that have gotten this stuff wrong now in this Anthony Davis trade. And by the way, Davis waived his $4 million trade kicker. Well, he made that up on Space Jam. What other explanation could there possibly be for Anthony Davis to go, I'm just going to waive a free check for $4 million? Because he made it up on Space Jam. Or... Or Rich Paul took a discount on his commission. I think when when Kyrie waived his kicker two years ago. It was different, though. I I looked it all up again. Yeah, wasn't it? It was the only way the trade would have worked, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Because if he had kept the kicker, there's no trade. And all the players that the Celtics had, like they couldn't add any more pieces to the whole thing. Yeah. So it was a $5 million kicker, but he was only eligible to receive like one point something of it. Because I, I looked it all up the other day. It wasn't just a straight, hey, I'm going to wave it to do everybody a favor. It was, this is you're, like just like you said, it was the only way that they could pull the thing off. Yeah, this was more like out of his own benevolence, he's doing it. 
which and players are not benevolent, especially players that haven't won a title yet. So yeah, I'm I'm suspicious as well. I will say this. Look, I am on the record. I feel really strongly about it too. I think the Lakers gave up way too much for Davis. I think they paid 150 cents, 160 cents in the dollar. I think they overpaid. I don't think they were bidding against anybody else. I think he was coming there in a year anyway. And I think it was one of the craziest gambles a team has taken. And if it doesn't work, Planka just gets fired. He doesn't care. With that said, you like if the they trade? Got Kawhi? <laughs> no, if, if they got Kawhi, I'm wrong. I'll I'll admit it. I'll eat crow in the podcast. If if that trade works out and you know you're getting Kawhi too, and now you have LeBron Davis and Kawhi, then there's no amount of picks you can give up that they basically gave up every asset they had except for Kuzma. And you could say that's worth it because they ended up with those three. If they don't get Kawhi, I still think the trade's a crazy, insane overpay, but maybe they Maybe they know something we don't know. Could Rob Palinka be that shrewd? Maybe he's pulled one over us. Maybe this is like uh, is he the only guy into the knew. usual suspects? Like I spend the whole time talking about how other teams are just mystified by all the Kawhi stuff, and that Palinka actually was the one guy that had the juice. That he's yeah. the one that knew. He's Omar Epps at the end. He is. He's ver- he's verbal kint and usual suspects. He's all of a sudden he's walking straight at the end. It's like, oh, you don't have a limp. Oh my god! <laughs> he lights up a dart, starts walking down the strand. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> what if this what is if, amazing happening in real time as we're doing this, by the way, I know. It's just like each, each, every five minutes, there's better news for the Lakers. I mean, Kawhi's basically, they're trying to figure out what number he is on social media. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I went, and Griffin was probably like, I'm just asking for everything because I know you have to do this anyway. And they're like, you don't have any bitters. He's like, I don't care. Just give me, give me all of it. Yeah, I don't you can hate keep it. Kuzma. I didn't hate the trade as much as you did when I started learning more about the pick swaps. I still didn't hate it as much as you did because I still think there's a version of this Lakers thing where in a couple of years, and this is kind of my standard line with it. There's a version of it where all three of those players, you're like, huh, really? That's all. You know, none of those guys really did anything. It's possible. Yeah, that's I, the best. I, I don't, that's the best case scenario for the Lakers. Yeah, but. So. Yeah, all right. A uh, couple more quick ones for free agency takeaways. We learned that you might be able to bully somebody into trading an asset to you, which is currently what, what Houston and Daryl Morey is doing with the Philadelphia 76ers. They put the story out that how badly they want to trade for Jimmy Butler, and that's their their big move for free agency is going to be, we're going to get Jimmy Butler. And uh, and it all sounds great, except for the part that they have no cap space. And the only way they can get Jimmy Butler is if Philly is stupid enough to lose this game of poker slash chicken with them and say, oh, uh, you're right. We could lose him. We uh, will take Eric Gordon. Great. And then and then they're done. It all is it all falls apart when you do the whole. Well, he's going to leave anyway. And you go, all right, well, where's he going? What team is it going to be the like? So now if the Lakers have this max cap space spot, you could say the Lakers could be a real threat and Houston could actually exercise this leverage, right? And be like, look, he's going to go to the Lakers. If you trade him here, at least you get Eric Gordon back. Then I could see it. What I don't understand is how the brazenness of a team just kind of saying, I'm taking this. I'm taking this asset from you unless you do this. And, and they have really nothing to stand on other than the threat. I don't get it. What was your take? 
I don't get it either. I, I don't get like we're sitting here talking about tampering a few moments ago. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> what is like you your tweet I thought was pretty spot on. Where what was it again? Because I'm I'm it's your tweet, so I'm not gonna recite it back to you. I, but but it the was Elton something brand, like, like if Elton Brand could Yeah, it was something like if I I don't understand why Philly has to even engage with Houston. If I was out in brand, I would have a press conference to just say, Hey, Houston, fuck you. <laughs> Which I, I kind of wish they would do, you know, because if they do that, then Jimmy Butler's like, all right, well, Houston's out. And nobody's been ex- able to explain to me the part that if he just leaves and signs somewhere else, well, okay, well, we life moves on. We have cap space. Now we'll figure it out. Why do I have to take Eric Gordon and PJ Tucker back when that, and those guys are, you know, maybe don't want to play in Philly. I have to worry. Like, why do I have to do that? Why Why is Houston telling me what I have to do? What yeah. about your own team, yeah, Houston? We want to sign Jimmy Butler first, okay? So that, let's let's start there if you're Philly. And even though I don't love everything with Jimmy, watching him in the playoffs, he's really important to them because he has that attitude. He's not afraid of anybody. Simmons, until further notice, is a floater. And Embiid is going to struggle in some possessions as much as I love him. You know, I've said all of these things before. Jimmy is that perimeter. I don't give a bleep guy. And you need that. I think Philly really needs that still, okay? And maybe it doesn't work out. I know there were still some issues, the Brett Brown thing, and everybody thought he was out of there, and then he comes back and whatever. Maybe Jimmy blows up again. But I still think for what Philly's trying to do here, he's important. So, okay, let's cross off the, all of the elements of the story. That don't, like, actually, Philadelphia wants to keep him. Okay, so now I'm supposed to do what? I'm supposed to take back Eric Gordon, who I went back and started looking at it. Like, there are moments where I go, wait a minute, if Jimmy Butler's there, is he going to be a guy that's going to be able to get 30 against Golden State? Like, yeah, he should. So what's what's the point of even, like, what's the point of even doing this? So let's let's delay the Jimmy Butler on Houston part of this story. But Gordon wasn't great in the playoffs. You know, his, the efficiency for a lot of the guys outside of the top two for Houston were pretty disappointing. So maybe that's why Daryl wants to trade all these guys, because he actually thinks, like, you know what, Eric Gordon's not that great, but people keep talking him up all the time. Um, the P.J. Tucker stuff, he's he's eight and a half million and PJ is, you can't just look at the the metrics on him. You've got to understand the whole part of it. But if you're Philly, like, why would you want to do that? And then on top of that, if you did a Capella thing, which doesn't make any sense with Philadelphia's roster on top of everything, and that he's 16, 17 and a half, 18, and 20 million over the next four years. And, you know, you wonder how he would play in certain playoff matchups. None of the pieces coming back make any basketball sense. And then when Zach Lowe had the thing this week saying that Houston was offering up these pieces to different teams to add draft picks in some sort of sign-and-trade package for Butler, why does Philadelphia want draft picks when they're trying to do this right now? Not that draft picks aren't worth anything, but for them to go, hey, cool, we got 12-16 and 16 in 2020 and 2021, that's not going according to their game plan. So there's just basketball stuff from Philadelphia's side of this where I'm with you. I've not found one person that can convince me that Philadelphia would be interested in doing Houston this favor. And then on top of it, Philly last year, they're like, we have these two players. Embiid is a top 10 player. Simmons is an all-star. Our window is now. And they go in, they trade set, they trade Sario and Covington for uh, for Butler. Sorry, Trey. And then, I'm sorry, sorry, just, sorry. That's actually a great nickname for him, though. Sario. He has uh, a sorry, bad game. And Covington. And then they do this ridiculous Tobias Harris trade, which I thought sucked at the time and now it looks even worse. They basically, they traded all of their assets um, to make a run and didn't get out of the second round. 
So now they're going to reboot by getting future assets back. The whole mindset of what they did last year was like, look, the NBA is a weird league. And Bede and Simmons, we don't know how long this is going to last. Right now, we have these two really good guys. Two years from now, we might not. A year from now, they might turn on each other. And Bede might get hurt. All these things might happen. Our window is now. We have a chance to win the title. By the way, they were right. They just, in my opinion, they, they the Harris trade, you know, for everything they gave up in that was probably not worth it. But they were right to think we have a chance to win the finals this year because they really could have. Now they're in the situation. They have four guys under contract. Can you name the four? Philadelphia? Yeah. Um, so Embiid, Simmons, um, is Ennis under nope. contract? No. Scott isn't under contract. Is he? Nope. Uh, damn, this is going to be harder than I thought. I know Redick isn't. We know Tobias isn't. We know... Boban isn't. I'll give uh, you a hint. Peanuts. The bass player from 311? No, it's Zaire Smith and Jonah Boban. Oh, that's right. Zaire Smith. That's right, because he came back. So they have, they're at 40 million right now. More than enough money to, to spend on Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris or Jimmy Butler and Chris Middleton or Jimmy Butler and whoever. Why would they want assets? This is everything they did was building toward last season and this season. Why would they want to go backwards and get future assets? It makes no sense to me. And if Butler leaves, so be it. There's a lot of good free agents left. And if anything, it would give them a chance to spend 70, 69 million bucks on maybe multiple free agents that would fit in better with the team. Like, for instance, do you think Malcolm Brogdon would make sense on that team? He'd be. You know, I still think they need, and that's what scared me a little bit about their draft, is Zyre coming back, hasn't been a three-point shooter, and Thibel, who you can talk about their perimeter defense, but unless Thibel gets back to being the shooter that he was a couple years ago, maybe he will, but I, it kind of scared me thinking you could have a version of three perimeter players playing here where none of them can shoot, and that's not what Philly needs at all with Embiid. But Brogdon is exactly what you're talking about. But some of the Brogdon prices where you go, wait a minute, what's Brogdon going to get? 20 mil. Yeah, it's going to happen. It is going to happen. happen. Too many it teams have cap. He's going to yeah. make $20 million a year. Yeah, that one would scare me. But then the cap space, I mean, that's the thing that I hate so much about the NBA structure of all this stuff. And it kind of gets back to the Lakers thing. It's like, can't we just make this easier? Can't we do a thing where it's like, hey, I don't have a hold and I don't have to trade guys that I may not even want to trade and nobody actually wants to trade for so that now I technically have this much, but I can spend up to this, but then I can go backwards and sign these guys with the exception and then my minimum deals. Like, it just seems obsessive to, uh, it's just, it's more complicated than it needs to be. Although I'm not going to spend the weekend trying to fix it myself. Um, With all the money they have, they could easily go, you know, they get five guys. They get Seth Curry. They could take a one-year flyer and Danny Green or a two-year flyer. They could do uh, Kelly Oubre's a restricted phrase. I mean, there's, there's 40 guys. I don't understand why they would want like Houston's 2022 protected first-round pick. It's ludicrous. Now, if you flip Butler into Eric Gordon and PJ Tucker, and then you still had enough cap space for another uh, another marquee free agent, I don't know. That feels like you're just back to where you were 12 months ago, and with the with the 
with the kick in the balls that Fultz was a real asset 12 months ago and now he's a zero and you got nothing for him other than their protected 2022 pick. Okay, but all the things you laid out, that's great in in theory, but you have to know. I mean, you have to know if you're Alton Brand, if you were going to do this kind of thing and bring back those pieces and go, you know what, I actually like PJ and I like that Eric Gordon provides shooting in this thing. But I'm wondering if Daryl thinks these guys are overrated after a playoff run that still didn't end where they thought it was going to end. But the way PJ talk, Tucker's talked about, the way Eric Gordon talked about, I bet you Daryl's going, you know what? A lot of the metrics tell us these guys really aren't even that good. So I'm yeah, going to try if to I was, these guys. If I was like, hey man, you should hire nephew Kyle. You should take him. I follow him like, on social media. So you'd be like, yeah, you'd be like, I can't. I follow him on Twitter. That's the no, you I'm team if, Kyle. No way. I'd give that guy whatever he needs. I'd let him but do if, a player. But if option. I was just brazenly trying to convince you, no, you should actually take him. Wouldn't you think something was up? Because I feel the same way about the uh Eric Gordon, PJ Tucker thing. No, no, Eric Gordon would be great for you. You should you should get him. Well, Flip Butler, it'll be Eric Gordon would be great for you. It's like, well, why don't you want him if he's gonna be so great? I don't get the NBA sometimes. We're taking uh, one more break. Hey, let's talk about the Rewatchables 1999. It is available only on Luminary. It dissects some of the most iconic movies from 1999, which was an all-time great year in film. It's much like the Rewatchables podcast. We break the movies down by categories. Uh, most Rewatchable, who won the movie? Could this be made into a Netflix series? So on and so on. Uh, we've done American Pie, Office Space, The Matrix, Austin Powers 2, a whole bunch of stuff. And... uh and it's not just the only good podcast on Luminary. There's a bunch of them on there. A bunch of original ones, too. Check those out. You can get uh, not only the shows from innovative, dynamic creators, but a free app. Download it. Listen to thousands of podcasts, including this one, sports, movies, comedy, and more. If you love podcasts, check out Luminary. Get your first two months of access to Luminary's premium content for free when you sign up at luminary.link. After that, it is $7.99 per month. Luminary.link. Simmons. For two months of free access, cancel anytime. Terms apply. And speaking of the rewatchables on the original rewatchables feed, we did the notebook this week with Julia Lippman and Amanda Dobbins. And then next week, we have a little surprise for you. It will be going up on July 3rd. Kyle, do you know what the surprise is? It's a rewatchables podcast featuring myself, Chris Ryan, and Bill Hader. A movie that he picked. I will not tell you what the movie is, but uh, I promise you it's a good one. So be ready for that one next week. That We're going to put that up, I think, the day before July 4th. So you'll have it for July 4th weekend. So subscribe to The Rewatchables wherever you get it. Subscribe to The Rewatchables 1999 on Luminary. All right, coming back. You have one more Rockets take. What is it? I do think Daryl thinks we're stupid sometimes. Um and I think maybe he thinks other people are stupid. And I don't know that I can really blame him for the way he pulled off the James Harden thing, that there might be part of me that thinks like, well, whatever, like, I'm just going to get somebody awesome for not many pieces again. Like, why are you guys, why do you have a problem with that? And then the way the Chris Paul thing worked out, no one had that, you know, no one called that. It was like, wait a minute, Chris Paul's doing, oh, he's opting in and then forcing his way out. Huh? That's different. And then. Daryl's just giving up these pieces where it's like, man, I just got Chris Paul. And for anybody that knocks this and all the turmoil reported real or not, and all the different versions of this, I, I still think it's worth reminding people all the time. This thing still almost worked folks. Cause two years ago, that team was winning a title. If they could have closed it out in yep. six or seven, 
But when I went back and looked at it, I go, why does it feel like Daryl's always in on every guy? And you can make the case that, like, there's plenty of Knicks rumors that have been wrong, and there's Lakers rumors that have been wrong over the years. And when I think about the Rockets, though, the Rockets seem to do it in an especially different, more aggressive brand. So I'm going to just go over and just cite a couple things. This is from um, Sam Amick, 2018. Headline, all in on LeBron. <laughs> the Rockets. The Rockets? The Rockets. I don't even remember that. Right? Okay. Okay. 2014, Howard Beck, Bleacher Report. Headline, quote, Rockets will make major push for James. Mark Stein and ESPN, 2014, backed up that same report. Um, 2014 Bleach Report again, Howard Beck. The headline was Rockets poised to make a Texas size offer to LeBron or Mello. <laughs> okay. Um, Mark Stein, ESPN 2014. Sources say Rockets are heavily engaged with Chris Bosch. That and almost was, happened. Right. And I read that, went back and read that story. They were like, if LeBron opts out and then he bounces from Miami, that, that Houston really likes their chances. Um, this story was from 2017. It was a CBS headline that took a Brian Windhorst hit on Sports Center and turned it into this headline. Rockets have sights set on Paul George after landing Chris Paul. The same, you go all the way back to the Dwight Howard stuff. That what stuff about happened. Durant? Durant in 2016, that was another one. So, Don't sleep on Durant with the Rockets. They have, and you can make fun of the headlines, the aggregators, and all these different things, but I went back and read these stories as I was doing this last night. The Rockets do this thing where they make these bold pronouncements is if I wonder sometimes if the front office feels like this is just part of the job description. Let's make sure everybody knows that we are in on everything, even if we have no chance. And I'm not saying that's necessarily what's happening here with Butler, but it's following a pattern that we get almost every single year with the most appealing players where it's like, oh, the Rockets are really aggressive. The Rockets are really making a push. Look at the Rockets always trying to figure out some kind of angle here. When other times, other headlines here, the problem wasn't going there. You know, LeBron was never yeah. going to Houston. Um, the Mellow thing, it, it was going to be Chicago if it wasn't New York, but Mellow's like, dude, I'll just take that 50 year now and worry about it later. The Paul George stuff, two years ago, I'd, I'd forgotten that one. So, I don't know. It's just something to think about. Yeah, I mean, I also wouldn't rule out them getting Jimmy Butler. I mean, maybe they know more than we know about this. I just find it hard to believe that if I'm Philly... And I'm just looking at this rationally. Why would I trade Jimmy Butler to one of the five or six other teams that can win the title and get an inferior trade package back? Because I'm being told, well, you're going to lose him anyway. And I would just want to know who am I losing him to? Do you now, think Jimmy Butler says, do this trade to the Rockets or I'm going to sign with the Lakers and you're really not getting anything. That would make more sense to me. Right. But he's not signing with the Knicks. Like he's not. He's not going to Dallas. Like he, that guy, that guy's going to be 31 next year. He wants to play for a championship contender right now. So he can play chicken all he wants, but the, the Sixers know that deep down. Okay. That is fair. All right. So now if he's threatening them with something, I'm going somewhere else, then that's different. Um, but I've never heard anything of Philly not wanting Butler. So, you know, that factor, I, I can't really kick into this whole thing, but let's also ask this basketball question. Is this even smart for Houston? Like, what would you sit in a front office offseason and go, okay, what do we need to do here? All right, is there any way we can add one more difficult heavy ISO guy? <laughs> like, yeah, Jimmy Butler is going to fix Wait, this. I, and by the way, I also, 
You're close, Houston. The window is open. I mean, forget the recency bias of all these different headlines with each signing now putting that team at the top of the whole thing and the hysteria of the AD trade now being like, oh, Lakers are clearly the favorite. And you're like, well, I get the betting angle of that, at least in the moment, but come on. Why would Houston, Well, if you're Houston, don't you think you'd rather take another shot at it with this group knowing that Golden State isn't in your way anymore? I would 100% try to keep the nucleus intact over rolling the dice with with Jimmy Butler and just having three guys and no depth. And I don't like the fit of him and those two guys together. I think he, you, you're talking about if the chemistry wasn't great last year, that is not, he's not one of my top draft picks to bring into a <laughs> chemistry, chemistry uh, struggling locker room. I feel like they have other moves. Um, and also, you know, what would it be for? It would be a five-year sign-and-trade, right? So now you're just, now you have him and Chris Paul for the next three years and and Harden. And if that doesn't work out, what do you do? What's your next move? You have no other move. You're That's your team. So I, I, I would just rather run it back, try to fix whatever chemistry issues we have in if I'm in the whatever in the front office and try to add to it because I think there's a lot of good free agents this year and I think they have a chance to get at least one other guy in a situation like that Brook Lopez won for three and a half million last year with Milwaukee like teams are going to want guys are going to want to play for a contender I really wonder with the timing of this you know Houston was in the news for a solid week about how bad their chemistry was and Harden and and Paul and their feuding and what's true and not true within league circles there was a lot of buzz about uh Houston's new owner being a kind of a wild card classic new owner syndrome you've heard my theory on new owner syndrome right the guy when an owner buys a team that first year they're just completely off the reservation they come in I wrote a they, column they made all the yeah they've re- they've made all their money They've been a success everywhere they've been, and they they think they're just going to walk into an NBA team and know what they're doing. There's been a lot of buzz on, ooh, oh, have you heard some of the Furtado stories? The way he handled the D'Antoni thing was weird. And uh, Yeah, when you tell a coach, hey, all your assistants are out. I mean, if I, I thought I was reading Jeff Bezdelic love pieces all year long. And yeah. then it's like, now out. Yeah, he's gone. So anyway, I, I do wonder the timing of it was to deflect some of the other stuff and it worked because then for two days we had Butler to Houston, but I still don't understand what Philly's impetus would be. Anyway, um, two more, two more takeaways and then, then I'm done with this whole thing and you might have one too. Um, I really think Portland and Denver could become the favorites in the West with one big move. And with Denver, I think it's a free agent. And, and I think it's a scoring forward. I think it's one more guy who can create his own shot on top of everything else they have in this young nucleus they have. It's, you know, Tobias Harris, I keep mentioning it. It's somebody like that. If they could add that, figure out a way to convince Millsap to come back. Um, I really think they that that's maybe the most dangerous team in the West next season, if unless the Lakers can add that third free agent. Um, and then Portland's the other one. Portland has some trade pieces. Do you want to do your Anthony Simons thing? That just the reports I'm getting out back on Anthony Simons are, are through the roof, and um, that it's it's not talent. It's it's none of that. It's just if he puts it together, he's going to be a monster. So they have okay. From I a mean, trade that, standpoint, that sounds really aggressive, but I wouldn't share it unless the guy that told me that has been right almost all the time on players. Yeah, and I've heard similar buzz with uh, just them being really, really 
delighted with how it worked out. So they have him. They have Zach Collins, who I like. They have Nasir Little, who people feel like they stole in the mid-20s. And they have expiring contracts. They can, they have Myers Leonard. They have uh, they have they just traded for the Bazemore contract. And then they have Mo Harkless. They have the ability to basically put together any trade they want over the next six to seven months. And, you know, it could be from, hey, Cleveland, here's here's some expirings for Kevin Love. And we'll throw in Nasir Little or whatever. It could be something low like that, or it could be something more ambitious. It could be them going after, you know, a top 25 guy. But I do think Portland's going to do something big. Have you heard anything about that? I don't know that it's, I don't know. I don't know what it is right now. Um, I've only heard, you know, the person that, that was high on Simons is the person that was telling me the first time um, they were hearing about what CJ McCollum was doing. They're like, this guy's nuts. He's going to be a stud. And it's like, yeah, no, I really liked him. No, no, shut up. No, he's going to be awesome. And so that's yeah. the same stuff I'm hearing on Simons, but Simons is going to get out there and play, which is easier said than done with those two, two dudes in the backcourt. Um, and if he were really, you know, sometimes I'll push back on it and be like, if he was really that insane, wouldn't you, wouldn't Portland have found some minutes for him at some point, you know? And, uh, you know, that's, that's just me doing kind of my routine of like, wait a minute, you know, before I get too carried away with this thing and, uh, share it on a highly rated podcast, but Zach Collins, I like a lot. I think you and I are in agreement there, but I, I've got to see a little bit more now this year. You know, I've got to find like, I've got to see you be able to fight a little bit more out there on the court. So then you add all those pieces up together. Like, who is it? Who? Because there's always the next pissed off star. Like, it's happening in six months. I don't know who it is right now. Um, but it's it's always it's it's always going to be like you couldn't. It would never be smart to say, oh no, actually everybody's really happy now in the NBA again. Every top player is totally comfortable with this current situation. Somebody's going to get really mad really soon, um, somewhere through the beginning of next season, and maybe they have enough pieces to load up on it, but. Uh, it's a, it's much better than everybody demanding that they break up their backcourt. So, I would have said Beal, but I think the Wizards have done a nice job of being like, can everybody stop with the Bradley Beal stuff? We're not trading him. This is one of the best 15 assets in the league. Like, please stop. We are not trading him. We want to build around Bradley Beal. On the other hand, the Blazers could overwhelm them with a Bradley Beal offer and put and put together a Lillard McCollum Beal trioka. That would be you know, shades of Mitch Richmond and Tim Hardaway and Chris Mullen way back in the day. That would be amazing. They could also, uh, you know, I, I keep coming back to Kevin Love because I think that's somebody they could get without giving up that much. And I think it makes sense for Cleveland to maybe get out of that contract and you get an asset back for it and some expirings and you just kind of move on. But I'll, I'll be, as you said, four months from now, there could be somebody out of nowhere. That you're just like, oh, that guy's unhappy? Paul George? He wants out of OKC? What? And then all of a sudden, it's a thing. Um, Anthony Davis is like, I don't even like these Space Jam edits. Yeah, it's like, ah, you didn't annoying. You didn't, leave keeps, my, you didn't leave my good line in. It's like LeBron keeps wanting me to go to Sierra Canyon and see his kid. Like, this is, sucks. Can I go to Portland? And then Denver has cap space and one of the best six players in the league. And Jamal Murray, who I think is a nice candidate to maybe make a jump this season and become an all-star. I like when guys get a lot of reps. You got a lot of playoff reps. Last thing I had for you, sneaky best signings. I wanted to say this before we have free agency, just so it didn't seem like I was after the fact, um, excited about something just for the hell of it. I, I think Russell is now underrated as a free agent signing. Where do you stand on him? 
D'Angelo? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. He's how'd 23. You to, how'd you get to underrated? How'd you get to underrated? Like, he's going to make his money. He's, he's not going to have to shave is off he? anything. Where Where is he going to make his money? Are we sure he's going to make his money? I, I'll give you an example. I mean, I guess if you frame it that way, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. I just thought everybody, like, somebody was going to figure it out. The Lakers just came up with a max slot, basically, in an afternoon when no one thought they were going to. That would be ridiculous. That would be weird if he went back to L.A. But what if the Knicks signed him for four years, 120? And, you know, the Knicks fans are in a complete panic. The Dolan thing we discussed earlier, they're not going to get anybody. And then what if D'Angelo Russell is the big prize for them? I, I, I kind of feel like that's a win. He's... One of the best 35 players in the league. He made an all-star team last year. He's 23. He can create his own shot. He's getting better. So you're he's, sold. You're sold on him forever. Like, this is who he's going to be. I, I need to see him for better. more than one year. I think he'd be better than he was this year. I think he could add to it. The free throw attempts worry me a little bit, but um, I'm just thinking from the standpoint of it's a 30-team league, and let's say they spend all of their money on, on uh, D'Angelo Russell and Tobias Harris. And the Knicks fans would be like, great. We thought we were getting Kyrie and KD. We got these two guys instead. Is it a bad thing to have two of the best 40 guys in the league? No, of course. I mean, when you frame it that way, I'm not as signed off on D'Angelo Russell's one of the words you have him in your thing. Top 20? No. No, I have him. Let me see. But I've been he, consistent on this. I've said the whole time, it's great. It's an awesome story. Yes, he's 23. I actually liked him. I sound like a guy that's, you know, didn't like him out of college. So now I won't, I don't want to admit that he was really good this year. He was really good this year when a year where I didn't think it was going to happen because I thought he was a certain kind of player. And after three years, usually when you're just kind of selfish and inefficient, that's kind of who you're going to be. And he he found a way to be efficient with the whole thing. But I would just like I'm to see throw it. This I would you. like to see it a little bit longer. That's all. Would you rather have him or Ben Simmons? Oh, my God. Imagine yeah. asking this thing a year ago. I know. God, that'd be a good segment. Five questions that we never would have even bothered asking a year ago. Five, five, five ridiculous questions. So I have, I have Russell in the, in the high 30s right now, in like the 30 to 33 range somewhere. And he's basically with Simmons. It's I have Porzingis and Booker ahead of them as younger guys who are going to make a lot of money and already do. And then Simmons, who's about to make a lot of money. And then Russell, who, you know, I think could be somebody that potentially averages 24 to 25 on a decent team and uh, and can finish games. And by all accounts, was a great teammate. I don't know why that's a bad thing to end up with somebody like that. Yeah, based on what we've seen so far, like the full display of it, I'd rather have Russell, which sounds crazy, but. I the think Simmons, I would too. The Simmons thing needs to get better. It needs to get better fast. And it can't just be like, hey, you idiots, he had 26 and 11. And you just go, okay, but we could do this game all season long. Because do I get to tweet at you when he goes for five points and takes four <laughs> shots? Because both are going to happen. And if you're really good, the second one doesn't happen very often. Another sneaky uh, free agent signing, Looney. We both like, what, what price for Looney would officially make you go, okay, I like Looney, but that's fucking stupid. What's the number? 15 a year for four. So four for 60, you're now mad at the, at the team who signed Looney. Yeah, I go, come on. What if, what if it was like a four for 48? <laughs> the thing is, is if four for 48 makes sense, then the, that means the price is four for 65. 
right? Because that's that's yeah, how that's I always look thing. at the NBA. I think math. he's getting. I could see four for sixty okay, for him. Like, look at Beverly. How dumb the Beverly numbers got. And let's not fall for the Scott Boris. Let me just leak out a number, and then everybody's like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe the guy has to make five hundred million dollars now." Because Scott Boris did an interview with a guy. Well, I guess he's going to make five hundred million. Let's all run with it. Um, Beverly, when he was on the Lakers, when we were just kind of doing this thing of piecemealing the Lakers roster together, you're like, okay, well, you know, if he made this, could you get him for five? Could you get him with six? Could you pair him with somebody else? Then the numbers come out and it's like, nah, screw that. Like I want three for 40 plus. Yeah. And that is probably right. That's probably where he's going to be. Like, why would Patrick Beverly in this world with his improved shooting, why would he be making under $10 million a year as a guy who also can defend the hell out of it? And you can kind of put him you know, the great thing about him is that you don't have to play him as a traditional point guard, but he can cover for a smaller point guard if you're worried about it defensively. It does seem like there's going to be a 30% new car bump this year with some of these guys where Malcolm Brogdon, it's like, wow, 88 million for four years for Malcolm Brogdon? What? Let me tell you, folks, it's possible. I remember writing a piece for Grantland after the lockout ended and I wrote an entire article about the two guard glut and how Aaron Aflalo was going to make like 50 million bucks or sign a contract for that. I was like, this is going to happen, folks. Be ready. And then I think it happened. But I think there's going to be 12 to 15 guys like that this year where people are going to be going, wow, really? Really? That guy? It's going to happen. I like Looney. I, I would probably not go more than like four for 40 for him, but uh, somebody will. We both like Harrison Barnes. Yeah, not a ton, but I, I feel like he's a guy that, you know, that's where Denver found a way to get creative with this thing we were talking about the other night, where yeah. what Denver might do here, it might feel like preemptive, like, let's just find something and add this piece. Kind of, it's not the same, and the ironies that we're talking about Iguodala, who was with Denver, but when Golden State did the Iguodala deal, they did it going, hey, down the road, we're not going to be able to add anybody like this, so let's just go ahead and add this guy, and it was a very... It wasn't, I think it was under the radar. It's like, oh, okay, okay. I, all right, I guess I understand why Golden State did that. Like, he's a really nice player. And by the way, in that situation, far less on him, more um, flexibility with what he could do. And it just, like, obviously that thing is, couldn't have worked out better for Iguodala. I feel like Denver might do something where we go, you know what we need is, even if Murray, who definitely, uh, as a question mark, added some stuff to him, right? In the beginning of that Spurs series where you're going, oh man, like what is this guy going to be? Like this is disastrous. Oh, wait a minute. He had kind of like that Ben Simmons back and forth thing. He settled us down. I think he settled our concerns down for him. So you're right. Like he could be that big next jump category. But what you can't have then is if you're going to be really good and start talking about Denver as the favorites in the West, like who's the third scorer? And they may try to solve that. I don't know if the Harrison Barnes thing is, is doable, for them, but he's not perfect. There's going to be moments where he disappears, but he's probably dumped on too much because of how poorly he shot at the end of 16 when they blew the 3-1 lead. Beloved teammate, too. We should mention that. I, let me throw this guy at you for Denver because this is a guy I really like, Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich was, uh, when I had Bobby Marks on, he was, he was saying the Spurs. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, and if the Spurs want him, then... He's clearly going to be a Hall of Famer. I thought he was good last year. And I actually think he became a much better defender than he used to be. I like him. Uh, mentioned Looney. Mentioned Brogdon. Brooke Lopez. I don't know what the ceiling is for him. I think Milwaukee would be crazy not to try to lock him down. I heard Zach talking on uh, on his podcast last week about, you know, will they end up with two out of three of Brogdon, Middleton, and Lopez 
I mean, ideally you'd want all three, but if the luxury tax is just too prohibitive, I do feel like there's a chance to steal Lopez. Another guy I like, and this is a guy to watch out for for the Celtics because they've liked him for a couple of years, is Robin Lopez. And they have that $4.8 million exemption. Could they figure out some chicanery with that and try to squeeze him in for a year? But I, I still think, I believe in Robin Lopez as a guy who can play in a playoff series in an eight-man rotation. Beverly, same thing. Seth Curry, I think has proven he could be a seventh, eighth man on a decent team, especially a team that needs shooting. I like Justin Holiday. Um, I think Danny Green for one for shorter term, the f- experience that he brings and being such a good guy like him. We mentioned Rashawn Holmes, uh, Willie Collie Stein, who the advanced metrics people do not like. I think he's intriguing. I don't know if he for a contender, but maybe for somebody. And then uh Rodney Magruder, I think I've always kind of Whoa. liked him too. Yeah. Whoa. Magruder. <laughs> <laughs> and to this day, player. I still have no idea why he's so mad. Uh, I, I, you know what I love about Brooke Lopez and all the free agent rumors is because he just signed for a ridiculously low number when everybody's figuring out their thing and be like, yeah, we're just throwing Brooke Lopez for like five mil. Yeah. It's going to be like, like no. 16 mil no, it's starting. Gonna be, it's going to be way more. Like what just happened with Brooke Lopez? I can't believe happened salary wise. Magruder. Couple, couple of mailbag questions before we go. Nick Ganaris wants the Celtics to acquire Nicholas Vucevic and partner him with Tatum and Jalen Brown and create the new Celtics big three called VJJ. I don't know if you how you feel about that one. VJJ feels Probably a not little a good bit. T shirt. It feels like yeah, it, it's racy. A bit, of, a bit of a Sex in the City joke, right? VJJ. I, I it's good. the worst. It's Cre- the worst joke anyone's emailed me this month. So I'm I'm passing along. Creative. Artyom from Calgary wants to know who is a better executive and evaluator of talent, Jordan or LeBron? Who would you go with right now? Wow. Yeah, I had the same. I, I struggled as well. It's a tough one. Jordan took Michael Kidd Gilchrist over Beal. And I thought that one was obvious. Like that was in the moment going, you no way. No I way. liked MKJ. I, I I still feel like he got injured a couple of times and it sent him back. You know what? He wasn't a great athlete. And all the Kentucky fans that are going to hear that are going to think I'm wrong. No, you're wrong. He he was he was he had the body of a sick athlete, but he actually wasn't this great athlete and his shot was was illegal, Obama. illegal yeah. in in half the states. Um, Trent wants to know, is there a more Knicks move than striking out in free agency and then trading for Blake Griffin and or John Wall? Broken down, overpriced, off-injured, all-stars slash former all-stars. Um, but names. Print the jerseys today, he says. I could see the, the Blake Griffin thing would be an interesting get-out-of-jail-free card for the Pistons. If they were just like, this guy's going to break down, the Knicks are just willing to take him. I really don't think the Knicks, as bad as this is going right now, and as bad as it could end up doing, because if we were doing the odds thing, and we're this musical chairs thing as of, of where we're at the end of this week here in June, they're left without a chair. I don't think they're going to do the well, let's trick everybody, sign sign a guy that we know is a mistake just to appease everybody. I don't think they're going to do the win the press conference thing as bad as this is going. They're not going to win any press conferences anyway. If, yeah, they're, uh, <laughs> they're not inviting people to the press conferences. Right. Noah has a Knicks thing. He says, what if KD signs a one plus one max contract with the Knicks this summer with a wink, wink agreement that they'll tank and sign another star pair with them for 2020? So they do that. 
And then KD says, screw you, and opts out and goes across the bridge and signs with the Nets. And then he asks, does Dolan not deserve this? <laughs> I was wondering why you read it, and then I realized why uh, at the end. Like it, Basically, that guy just came up with an even worse case scenario. That's not going to happen, but he was like, how can I make it even worse for the Knicks? And he wins. Carl Forsman wanted, wanted to ask both of us this. Is there any way Belichick would have given Al Horford four years? Danny Ainge wasn't going to give him the, well, he would have done four, but not for the numbers that are being floated around. So the easy answer is that no, Bill, Bill would have been like, uh, Al, we, uh, uh um, Chris just, has a thing. Chris from Seattle has a thing for you. Cause you've mentioned a couple of times that you don't think clutch likes, uh, Boston. By the way, you just really didn't want that Belichick impersonation at all. Do you want to do it again? I was focused on the next email. I, I got to admit, I'd, I'd, I'd give it to me one more time. I don't even know time. if you deserve it. No, one more time. <laughs> Come on. Uh, Al, you know, uh, I'm just not taking a lot of shots late in the games. And, uh, you know, uh, your sister, you know, she, she tweets a lot. So uh, I'm just going to go in another direction. That's really good. I, I predict this this would be a new thing for you is the Belichick character. This could replace worst year ever. Um, <laughs> we did. Christopher, we were going to do adult movie reviews in Belichick voice on <laughs> on our radio show, but it didn't uh, didn't get approved. We couldn't do that ah, cleared. Well, it's approved here. Chris from Seattle says how you keep talking about Clutch hating Boston. He thinks you have to rectify it. You walk into their offices one day and just start screaming, you think you're better than me? <laughs> I just watched The Town again. I just watched it last night. That's I so watched weird. it last night. Uh, last yeah. night. So I almost tweeted about it. But as a writer, I didn't want to offend any other writers. Yeah. And I thought, is it a bit of a leap where he was like, they threw bottles at you? When he's when Affleck's talking to the girl, and I really, yeah. I really like that girl. Now I would put Blake Lively, Boston, the town, Blake Lively, as like my dream team of girls that I'm not going to date. But you know what I'm saying? So yeah. But when she's telling Ben Affleck that these, she walked through this part to her apartment, but it was like kind of a rougher part of town, and he's like, "What they do? They threw bottles at you? <laughs> you do you remember what they looked like?" And then all of a sudden, he goes over, he sees Renner, he goes. I'm going to ask you to do something. We're going to hurt people and you can't ask me any questions about it. And then he and Renner put on the hockey mask and they get the apartment right of the guys that were throwing the glass bottles at his new girlfriend. Is that, yeah. was that a leap story wise? No, I was, I was in a hundred percent. I think in Charlestown, everybody having lived there for a long time, everybody knows everything that's going on at all times there. I totally, you, I totally bought in. You would know is okay. Is that movie getting better? Is it? Cause I think The Departed, there'd be times where I go, uh, I don't know. I don't know. But like, I'll watch it. I'm starting to appreciate the town more and more all the time. So I loved the town when it came out. And I thought it was a, a Hall of Fame Boston movie immediately. Then it wasn't on for a while. And now it's on again. And I keep watching it. It's, it's a great Affleck. He's in shape. He's, he's so He looks so good in it. He's basically Chucky from Goodwill Hunting, now grown up as a bank robber who moved to Charlestown and has a new set of friends. Uh, I I gotta say, Renner blows me away in that movie. That is one of the best angry massholes that have ever been portrayed on film, if not the top, but definitely like in the discussion. I I really can't believe how good he is because he's not from here. No, Renner, 
Renner's is just another level. Like, I think Renner is so good in everything. Did try to say hello to him at a party years and years ago. He was not just interested. shut you down? Yeah. I was like, are you from Boston? Because you just, you just, he might have been prepping for the town when I went to say hello to him. But it was, a, it was like a CA party. So there wasn't like anybody that was in there that shouldn't have been in there, um, but did not go well. And uh, Renner's incredible because you, you just, you're like, holy, like, I think that guy's yelled at me at different times when I lived <laughs> in Boston. Like it felt, well, that's you know, a- I was having flashbacks. Yeah, that's the guy in the bar at one o'clock in the morning who just has a look in his eye and you just kind of know, like, don't even come within five feet of bumping into that guy. Right. Like, the if you thing, offered him a beer, he's going to complain. And he's like, ready to roll. Um, so are you just, saying you like it better? Because, by the way, the North End scene is amazing. They do a great job So I was going to say, that That to me, if <laughs> it's so funny you brought this up. I was really thinking about whether it was Rewatchables worthy last night because it drags in a couple spots and it has my big nitpick would be like uh, that last shootout at Fenway. Like, you know, dudes are getting murdered left and right, and I'm <laughs> supposed to be rooting for Ben Affleck to get away. It's like, oh, well, he did leave. He did leave everybody at ice skating rink, and now he's gone. All right, so I guess it's fine. It's like, well, what about the ten, the ten families who don't have a dad because they just wiped out like everybody in the Fenway Park scene? So yeah, I guess that would be the one nitpick. Yeah, and then, you know, when Renner ends up over at, like, Rooney's place, the baseball tavern, and you're just going, like, are you going into the baseball tavern right now? And it was, like, that shootout scene by the McDonald's that I, yeah. I don't think is there anymore, right? No, and that's gone. That's gone, because they ended up putting all these really nice high-rises in. That's If I had stayed at Beantown, that would have been my spot. Be like, yeah, I got a sick high-rise in Kenmore now. Um, they filmed at Old Sully's and New Sully's at that place, in in that movie. Did they the scene really? when Ham goes to see Blake Lively, that's at New Sully's in tra- on Main Street. I love that scene right up to the part where she's going to get busted. So I just, I'm with you because yeah, Blake, Blake Lively took an amazing amount of shit for that movie. And I defend I think, her. I think she's unbelievable. Yeah. That was like the dream girl I wanted to run into at 1.15 in the morning. And then you find out like a week later that she has a small kid and you got to figure out. You know, all right, now what do I do? I searched for that girl for like seven years. (laughs) And I remember already prepping, like when I was going to bring her back to the vineyard and my mom was going to be like, are you serious? I'm like, don't even talk about, don't, don't you judge me. We get along. It works. Like what? No, no, you can't bring her back to the vineyard house anymore. I'd be like, (laughs) well, I'm sorry, but she's coming. And so is her brother. And wait until you meet him. I do think they did a really good job of like, throwing in a ton of extra Boston stuff that seemed unnecessary, but also made it awesome at the same time. And you know, a lot like, of helicopter shots, right. a lot of overhead helicopter shots. But shot. then it just, Here's, on top of everything else, like, oh, I was also drafted by the Bruins and then I got hooked on Oxy. And then it was like, man. And then as much as I love Ham, and I loved him even more when you did that podcast with him and he talked about being famous later in life and how that actually makes you like more adjusted. And it was such an awesome interview. But Ham does have that one line where he's like, you're not over at the star market rolling quarters. You were like, oh, dude, somebody in the room has to go, hey, John, you're not you're not going to do that line because it's just you can't do the accent. So we're sorry. Yeah, he's he has some good moments, though, in that movie. And I, it, hey, it great. took me a he's while great. to warm up. Well, because I feel like that should have been a Boston guy. Like that actually should have been somebody who wasn't from Charlestown, but he was from like, you know, Southie or there was some sort of rivalry aspect. And it's just like, he was the only guy who didn't have an accent. So I couldn't really figure that part out. But at least he didn't try to do one the whole time. He did That That was crucial. Do you remember? I think the 
The Go North ahead. End scene is really that's a that's just an unbelievable ten minutes. That car chase is unbelievable. Right, and then when and then I think this is the Affleck stuff too, where like he just gets it, where when they get out and they have the they're in the Jeep Cherokee after they get rid of the van and they're dumping the hair all over and they're like hey, all the DNA in Charlestown, and then there's a cop who's on detail and he's sitting in his cruiser. He looks away. He looks away. He just looks away and you're like, dude, you just nailed it. That was perfect. Um, But how about when when the driver's getting interrogated, who is the guy that's sitting in the room with him? He can't be an actor, right? No, they filmed, Affleck filmed though, he grabbed a lot of locals for both that one and for Gone Baby Gone. Like he was pretty uh, adamant about that. But he's right because when people try to do the accent and they can't do it, it, I don't know, maybe people outside the area don't pick up on it or don't realize how bad it is. But Wahlberg, little name drop, when I interviewed him about the marathon movie, I go, what's your rule on the accent? He's like, I'm very clear about it. If you can do it, you can do it. If you can't, you just you get to talk like a regular person because I'm, yeah. not, I'm not having it. And that should be the rule. Yeah, I, I do feel like the last 12 years, there's been a renaissance for the correct accent. Either it's been good or you don't try it. I heard Blown Away had, remember Blown Away, like uh, 1994? Yeah. Some bad, there's some bad moments in that one. Quiz show. Some, some rough spots. <laughs> Quiz shows. Quiz show is one of the ones that drives me the most crazy. So um, you're thinking, it sounds like you're thinking me, you, and Chris Ryan doing a rewatchables for the town. Yeah, I want to watch it again. I, I think I liked it at first because I expected to like it. And just like you said, like I bought it on iTunes and then I didn't throw it on all the time. And that's crazy. Okay. Yeah, it was I was on it and I watched like part of it. And then last night I was, as I was prepping for the podcast, I just threw it on again and said, I'm in. And I appreciate it more now. And you're right. Affleck's, Affleck's awesome. And I mean, people can say like, whatever, he's just doing the same thing. I don't care. Do it more. The town now too. He's, he has five really great performances over the last 25 years that are just like, I'll just defend them to death. Him and him and Gone Girl is. I was just going to say Gone Girl. Best possible person who could have been in that role. He's great in that movie. Just I will not argue it. He is so good in that role because if you haven't read the book and you don't know anything about that movie, and I'm sure there are people listening right now where you go, okay, so I'll do a little spoiler alert. But he does an incredible job with that character of allowing there to be a little bit of doubt the way yeah. he plays it. Thinking like somebody else could do that character and be like, oh, that guy's a good actor and he did it straight the whole time through. Like Affleck nails this. Let me give you a little lingering doubt here as an audience member of where my head actually may have been at with this whole thing. Yeah. Well, we'll do that. You, you, we'll have to let uh, let the what the people tell us if they want the town rewatchables. But I feel like they do. It's also I think we're I think it's a ten year anniversary of it. You're supposed I think to, it was a 2009 movie, so it may, that, maybe we'll do it in August. You're supposed uh, to be res- able to skate backwards. <laughs> it's really, the accents are really great. Um, all right, we're going to go. Do you have anything to plug? Uh, you can check out the Live from Manhattan Beach podcast that Bill was very um Oh, yeah, we didn't about. talk about so, that. Yeah, so he, Cowherd, and I, the three of us in Sharks Cove, a uh, nice little sports bar, right? Manhattan Beach Boulevard, right near my house. It was incredible. And um, we came down, sold out show. So you can check that one out. The Rosilla Show Pod on ESPN. We got a dual threat coming out this week too. Carissa and I talked about a pod. Do you want to be involved or you want me to solo that one? <laughs> <laughs> she needs a podcast. She'd be awesome. You should you should get her in on the whole. Um, I don't think I, I hope I've never pitched that to you because I wouldn't do it. If, if somebody was my friend who wanted a podcast, I've had a few people reach out and I've never pitched it. She should have a podcast. She should be awesome at it. We, 
I, I think we bring her on and we just do the life of Carissa. Yeah. We just do one of those like two hour. It just gets really deep. I think that's where we go with that one. Do you want me to be on it or is it better with her? I think it's better with me off of it. Okay. But I would do it. I mean, if she wants to do it, I'll I'll let her pick. Yeah, okay. We'll we'll let her pick. You'll take the pick personally if she says, no, let's keep Ryan off this one and be like, what? (laughs) She's going to want me on it. Yeah. I guarantee it, but. We'll give her the choice. Okay. All right, Rosillo, next time we talk, the NBA axis will have shifted. That will be next week at some point. Um, And I will talk to you then. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait. All right. Thanks to Rosillo. Thanks to The Zone. Don't forget to go to DAZN.com. You can get there in time to watch a couple of fights this weekend. Thanks to Proper Cloth. Ordering a custom fit shirt has never been easier. Thanks to Proper Cloth. 10 easy questions. Create a custom shirt size. Choose from over 20 collar styles, 10 cuff styles, over 500 fabric styles from classic business to casual. Get the style you want. Shirts made completely custom for you starting at just $80. Stop wearing shirts that don't fit. Start looking your best with a custom fitted shirt. Go to propercloth.com slash Simmons today. Enter gift code Simmons to save $20 on your first shirt. Do it today. Enjoy the rest of the week and the weekend and the big free agency. Uh, Chase, don't forget to go to the Ringer NBA show as well, where we will be covering all the, uh, all the NBA free agency stuff as it happens. Until then.